And for dinner the other night, I had a left Twix, so I think pressure's our friend here. That was crossed off the list. Yeah, well, turns out crossing off well, isn't an exact science. That is going to fucking shit. I'm the fuck alone. Do I have time to go outside and scream fuck? Tonight, I'm just drinking one of these wide mouth screw top cans of Coors Light. It's nice and cold. It's very utilitarian. It's going to get the job done. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the bear. How you doing, Soup? You ready to fork? Always ready to fork, man. Definitely ready to fork. Got my forks all nice and polished and everything, man. I am uh, drinking the usual PBRs, man, because I know I'm in for a long night here. These are easy drinkers, and uh, you can go through them pretty quickly, especially when it's hot out. Yeah, it is a little bit uh, hot up in here, as Nelly would say, a little hot in here. Thanks again for checking out the Bear Brigade, presented by Regular Dudes Watched Up. You can find us on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on social media, at Dudes Watched Up. Please don't forget to stay hydrated when it's hot out, and please don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. This is how people find our show, how they find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. It's all we ask. If you had fun, please give us that thumb. Just click it the one time. That's all you gotta do, just once. Uh, I am pretty much literally a regular dude here. I did a couple of banquet waiter things in college, but that really doesn't count. Just handing out rolls and clearing tables. The soup deucer is a real like man of the kitchen, uh, veteran of the restaurant industry, all that stuff. So he's kind of our uh, inside guy here. Uh, soup, what are we breaking down on this episode of the Bear Brigade? We are breaking down episode nine titled Omelette, which is fucking awesome because I love an omelette, man. And, uh, you know, I mean, omelet's a cool thing. We'll get into talking about those later. I mean, you can shove anything in a fucking omelet, man, and, you know, and just roll it up and call it a fucking omelet, which is fucking great. The uh, opportunities and uh, and whatever are fucking endless with those things, man. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of fucking room, a lot of ground to cover there, man. And uh, this episode was a good one. It is leading up to the opening of the fucking restaurant. And just so you know, from this point forward, is going to be a full-on spoiler of episode nine we'll try to refrain from anything else uh other than this episode but uh everything's kind of in play here man so uh you have been warned yeah we'll keep it clean for the first part here then towards the end we'll kind of get down into full season spoilers we will let you know when we get there as the man said this is omelet season two episode nine of the bear the 17th overall episode of the show released june 22nd 2023 along with the rest of season two Directed by show co-creator, co-runner Christopher Storer. This is the 11th episode of the show that he's directed. Written by Christopher Storer and co-showrunner, co-creator Joanna Callow. This is their third written by credit as a duo on The Bear. Notable guest stars include Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, Edwin Lee Gibson as Abraham, Molly Gordon as Claire, Corey Hendricks as Gary, Robert Townsend as Emmanuel, and Ricky Staffieri as Theodore Fack. The short plot summary is... The bear is set for a friends and family night, which will serve as its soft opening. Sydney feels pressured to impress her father, and her stomach isn't cooperating. Carm begins to second-guess things, causing him to once again neglect the fridge guy who's supposed to fix the handle on the walk-in. Natalie informs Carm that she's invited their mother, Donna, to friends and family night. The restaurant is fully booked for two weeks, but they need to increase their reservations to stay profitable. They can't be good, they have to be great. Uncle Jimmy hand delivers Carmi the official business license, and Carmi apologizes to Sydney for his lack of focus, and he gives her a custom chef's coat. With the team prepared and the restaurant ready to launch, Richie opens the bear for business. All right, so you, you mentioned it. You, you seem that you like it. What do you think? Is this a very good standalone episode, or is it a good episode, but it's also kind of more just set up for the season finale? I think it's definitely set up for the season finale, but I think it really runs into it because, you know, it takes place as the same day. 
And, uh, you know, it's all leading up to, hey, we're, you know, we're opening later. We got so-and-so hours until, you know, until service or whatever. So you can tell the tension is there. It's uh, the nerves are there, man. And there, there's a lot going on, man. And, and, you know, opening night, even though it is a soft open, this is definitely a big fucking deal. There's a lot at stake here, man. And you get that feeling and, and that vibe throughout the entire episode, you know, and they're trying to trying to finalize a lot of things, you know, trying to get the fine fine tuning and the final touches on shit and, you know, there's a couple things that are left uh, neglected, man. That's part of this episode, and it, and it definitely leads into uh, into the future as well. So um, this is kind of where we're at with this one. Yeah, it again, kind of just uh, in the middle between what well, you know I would consider a bunch of great episodes in you know, seven fishes, we have fishes, then forks, and then you have the bears, the finale. Everything in between is also very good. But I mean, those are like some of the best episodes of television, at least of the year. And I think this is a very good episode of television, a very good episode of The Bear, but it's not quite on the level of those. And part of it is because it is the middle episode, right? They're not quite open yet. This is the prep episode. Legitimately, it's the prep episode. And I think they do it a is, good job yeah. of that. You do get some nice character moments from, say, uh, Sid's father. You get a couple people like that. Knack uh, gets some nice moments. So I do think they do a good job here of kind of rounding it out and you know they do kind of bring a little bit more focus on the relationship between claire and Karen, but they do it in an interesting way where it's not mostly with claire it's mostly about him talking about his relationship with her with sid you know especially i think that table that uh, conversation when they're fixing the table is really great there's a couple there's a conversation between yeah. richie and uh natalie i think there are just nice pairings you know what i mean uh when they get everybody ready when richie addresses the, the front of the house and sid comes in with the to do the menu and everything like that I thought that was great. A lot of good moments, but yeah, very you know, cool. it is definitely a, a setup episode because again, perfect binge episode though. At the end, if you hit the ACDC and you, you unlock the door, you thank God you can just play the next episode, right? I know. And uh, you know, the first time I went through and checked this out, obviously they were all there already, but this is one where you know you you immediately want to go into the next episode. And had this been a show where they released it week to week that whole that whole week waiting for the next one this would have been a perfect like damn it you know i mean uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with uh with upcoming seasons on this if they decide to do the whole drop at once thing i hope they don't i i really hope they kind of you know space it out a little bit like like any regular uh show would do but uh just because that element of suspense and you know it, it keeps you interested man and and not that this didn't keep you interested but i do think that episode nine and ten could have really just been one but the way they stopped it like that it was absolutely perfect you know but you need them both i think these two as a whole is a fucking great way to uh, to fucking wrap it up man you know i mean especially the way the season's been going like it was it was absolutely fucking perfect i totally agree and honestly i think that would have been the play maybe do it kind of hbo did this with righteous gemstones release like the first two or three at once then go weekly for a while and then drop the last two on the same day that could have worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go like two, six, two. So like, you know, two in one week. So it'd be eight weeks. So it'd still be almost two months. So it would be yeah. out there for a while, but you still get a little binge. You know what I mean? You get your little, uh, your hit at the front and then your hit on the back end. Get you your fix. You but know think, what I mean? think about it, man. Like if we were watching this and we didn't have the, uh, you know, it didn't all drop at once or whatever. And we were watching it live as it happened, you know, week to week or whatever. And they decided to space this out a week and the episode ended right there with that with the door opening man like how interest how how much would you be like stoked for that next episode you know oh i was waiting that week you'd be like man when is this fucking episode dropping you know 
this is one of those i think i remember talking about this when we watch it like i knew it was there and i wanted to give myself time to watch it but something happened and i was like i'll just watch the first episode and of course i watched the whole thing you know going until three or four in the morning and that last one i'm like you know what i'm just gonna save the finale for tomorrow you know i mean i'm gonna get some sleep i'm gonna do this the right way and i most definitely just kept going no, you can't. If it's there, there's no way you can stop right <laughs> Definitely there. Definitely you know? screwed myself <laughs> over for the next day and everything, but uh, totally worth it. But, you know, we got to uh, start with Omelette here before we move on to the bear. And as far as the bear overall, one of the things we're huge fans of is the music that's featured. Uh, they kind of go back to the well in Omelette with some artists that we've already heard on the show before, but you get a couple newcomers as well. You have The Day the Worm Went Away by Nine Inch Nails, Strange Currencies by R.E.M., New Noise by Refused, Comeback Live by Pearl Jam, and If You Want Blood by ACDC. Uh, you, you know, start with that one. I thought that was a nice one because they started, they play almost the whole song, I think, by the time you get through the credits. They start out a little soft, and then you get the prep montage, and then they really just hit the gas on the volume, like right when you hit the, the big kind of like crescendo in the song, and you just go out on that. And I thought that was an excellent use of that, and not an ACDC track I'm super familiar with. Yeah, no, and that's what I like about that's what I like about whoever is uh, you know putting the soundtrack together for for this show, man. Is they they do a lot of like not the biggest fucking songs, but they're good fucking songs, man. You know, and uh, shit you're not super familiar with, and it's like, oh man, it's a great fucking song, you know. And the way they place them in here, and just like as far as fitting the vibe and everything of the show, I mean, I like the usage, the continuous usage of REM. It just now it just seems like they always have to use them which like i'll be disappointed if like in season three there's no rem or it's met rem knows this now like they're huge <laughs> fans of the show and they did they did something like they did a cross promotion for it or whatever oh i think one of their new videos they used footage from the bear in nice. something they yeah, did. very cool man i don't know if it was for a new song or they did like a kind of like a you know an anniversary video for something i feel like maybe but I think they either way as long as they're on board and involved like that that's pretty fucking cool i like the usage of eddie vetter pearl jam a lot i mean that's definitely good uh you know we're older we we grew up when in the time when when this shit was just coming out you know so it, it's nice to have, it's nice to hear some some of that stuff uh you know still being used to this day uh whether it's new material or old material or whatever you know and uh same thing with nine inch Dales, man i love the trey reznor's all over this shit too you know I've definitely heard uh, The Day the World Went Away used before. I definitely remember they built like an whole episode around it in Person of Interest back in the day, the Jonathan Nolan show before Westworld. Uh, I know I've heard that one before. I did like when they dropped the R.E.M. Like you had Carm like outside freaking out, almost having a panic attack, and they kind of just distorted yeah. the song and everything. The sound design on that was really nice. Yeah, that was done really well for sure, man. Absolutely, man. I, can't, I, I have no complaints about the soundtrack in any episode of, of the show yet, so... Uh keep doing what you're doing with that man <laughs> yeah the deep cut on the pearl jam joint again and that was pretty much just played i think in its entirety during the table fixing scene which was if you pay attention there's a lot of long scenes here without cuts you'll see it a lot more in the finale than here but when you start really paying attention man like it's it's shot in a very interesting way it's very long shots very close up it's kind of got its own look and feel and i think the music really adds to that kind of you know again with the good selection of stuff and even though they do go back to the well it, you know, it's not just playing the hits, you know what I mean? You don't have to hear, you know, whatever Margaritaville eight times in a row, or, you know, if it was Pink Floyd, you would it'd be, you know, wish you were here and uh, another brick in the wall or whatever. Or, you, know, or you don't have to kind of, yeah, it's not money all day, dude. Right. right yeah. Money. Yeah. Some animals. And uh, shit. I can, yeah. Let's see. That's yeah. it's how you're digging deeper a little bit. I can always hear some money too. You just play <laughs> the cash register song. Let's you know, just the cash register part at the beginning. You just always get to be hype. 
And uh, dude, I know you're the the kitchen man. We didn't get full on service. A lot of prep, a little bit of teasing going on in the kitchen here. And you know, there's definitely a few things to talk about. But one thing I want to ask right up front: Have you ever heard anybody say salt that like a sidewalk before at any point in no, your career? I want to steal that shit. I think that's I'm awesome. taking it. I'm definitely taking it. Yeah, uh, I haven't. Um, it's it's a it's a lot of times you do use. It's a, a northern one. It's definitely something you'd say in Chicago. Like you wouldn't say it in the Carolina kitchen. Maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe that's why nobody says that shit around here. But uh, I get it. I get the reference. and I love it. I'm definitely taking it. I'm definitely going going to use it. Um, and yeah, shit like steaks and stuff require a lot of fucking salt. You see him, you see him grab that fucking fistful and just be like, no, like this, you know, go copious with the salt sometimes, man. But you be careful because you can't take it out. You can put as much in there as you want. But once it's in there, it's in there, man. So you can always add more. Can't take that shit out. So remember that. <laughs> and if somebody's like just being really pissy, so when they say, you know, how how are they doing? They don't look like they're in a good mood. It's like, oh, they're salty. Oh, they're saltier than a buffalo sidewalk in February. There you go. I like that. Love that. <laughs> We're working it in, dude. We're working it in. Yeah. Thoughts on the menu, man? Uh, I'm not a, the, the best pronouncer of all this. I think I got both. You got the welcome broth, the focaccia, the crudo, cannoli, seven fishes, bolognese, grisha, t-bone, caviar, cherry donut, honey bun. I mean. Looks like a menu, right? That's definitely a course out menu. It's fucking, it's got potential, man. I can't wait to see it in the next episode here when they actually start delivering. And, you know, we'll talk about that when it happens. But uh, yeah, well well planned out. I know they made some changes here. They took a couple things out. I think they omitted a couple things and changed a couple things during the during the course of this episode here just for, you know, and that happens. That's an everyday thing. Hey, we're not going to do this. We're going to do this instead, you know, even if it's fucking one dish, fucking the whole course out shit those things happen that's acting uh on improv and adapting to adversity and shit you know so yeah but uh once it's uh set in stone and it's fucking time to go and uh there it is man that's what you do that seemed kind of like a typical type menu i know they talk about like nine courses i don't know if that's technically nine well it seems like an awful lot for your first night out for your first night out yeah nine nine's a lot of courses man you know but uh Depends on how big these are and uh it, that's kind of heavy dude doing a nine course thing that's a lot of fucking delivery to to a table it's not like you're just bringing them fucking dinner and a, and a salad or something some of those seem pretty heavy you got t-bone seven fishes bone yeah, day. Very you time, got uh, timing is super important when you're doing shit like that i mean the, the, those kind of uh that kind of service is 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 a is a different monster than than your average fucking go out to get a fucking dinner and a whatever the fuck maybe a glass of wine this is you're sitting there for a hot minute you're getting this delivered this delivered this delivered it's a fucking experience you know, and that's what it's supposed to be. That's cool. Uh, have you ever really been involved with soft openings at all before? I've been to one for kind of like a little bar yeah. restaurant, but uh, is it really kind of as much pressure as it seems here? You know what I mean? Like in the back, I obviously I've been to one as a customer, but I've never been behind the scenes at a soft opening. Yeah, it is. I feel like the pressure is a little bit heavier because of how important it is to be like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. It's, it's like a preseason game, kind of, you know, kind of related, you know, but uh, it's, it's live, it's going on, and you're still trying to work out some of the, some of the whatnots, but this is, uh, you know, this is your fucking, this ain't, this isn't a scrimmage, this is preseason, you're going, and, you know, your next game is going to be week one or whatever the fuck, you know. Obviously, I always go back to football terms to kind of relate, but, uh, yeah, it's very important, very stressful, and you want it to be 100% fucking awesome, and if things aren't, this is the time to figure them out. I guess it would make sense to do breakfast before dessert, or actually, I don't know if it was uh, Sugar's breakfast. It probably was more like her lunch. How about that omelet, man? Uh, 
from what she said in the in the show, Sid said uh, borson, chives, sour cream, and onion potato chips. I th- I think the ingredient combination was uh, was pretty well played. I've never put potato chips in an omelet before, but I love it. Sour cream um, and onion too. That's an interesting, just a little crumble on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Here's the thing about omelets. Omelets are fucking awesome because you can put you can put whatever the fuck you want in an omelet, dude. I mean, you can, you can make a fucking uh, you can make an omelet with damn uh, you know, fucking anything. <laughs> you can put pig feet in there if you want. It doesn't matter, but. Uh, she did a fr- uh, French rolled omelet here, man, which is uh, which is the way, which is a fucking gorgeous omelet, you know. I typically don't make them that way. I've done them like that before, rolling them like that. It's fine. It's cool. I always just fold them. It's the American way to do it, uh, the, uh, as opposed to the French omelet, which is rolled like that. American omelets are just kind of folded over. Same fucking thing. It's just one less fucking one less flip, you know. Uh, and you can still put whatever the fuck you want in there. Still very cool. I like the uh, potato chip idea. I might try and take that one too. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting because it seems like Sid really can't eat herself, right? We see the whole thing. She's chugging Pepto. She's eating Tums. Or she can't drink coffee. So it was kind of nice that she got to cook something for sugar because she hasn't been able to eat anything, right? It was an interesting... You know, I she, she asked for an omelet, but she had to still come up with something that like she could hold down, right? And you see when she eats it, she's so excited, like, oh my god, this is great. Now get out of here. Don't watch me eat. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, and that's a common thing in the in the you know, when you're working in a kitchen, man, like a lot of times I forget to fucking eat, dude. I make I'm making food all day for people and it's like shit, man, I forgot to eat. It's been fourteen fucking hours now I've been doing this and you know, you so you know you'll graze, you'll taste and shit like that all day. You know, but you like rarely do I actually sit down and have like a plate of fucking food. Kind of almost never happens, which sucks. It's certainly not healthy or good for you, but uh, for some reason we we just keep fucking trucking. <laughs> yeah, that's how you go, dude. You're like just dead on your feet, kind of just staying alive, uh, Travolta style. There. How about <laughs> Marcus's desserts? He's got mom's honey bun. That one looked kind of straightforward, right? It's got the cool little, the bear package and everything. The Copenhagen yeah. Sunday we saw before, I believe, right when he came back there at the end of uh, Honey. It's a honeydew at the end of that episode. Sydney's donut, parentheses, uh, after Carm destroyed it like a little bitch. I don't really know where the name came from. Yeah, I love that. And then, and then the Michael, dude. Out, right? The Michael <laughs> with the cannoli. And you can see it kind of freaks Carm out for a second. And then he, you know, he kind of like gets together and everything. I thought that was great. Even Garland, like, oh yeah, dude, you can throw it out, huh? And Marcus, like, yeah, it was it was fucking perfect, dude. I mean, he really uh, he got game fast, dude. Like, he seems like he's really good at this now. And it's been maybe what eight months or something, a year tops, probably. Hey, man, that trip to Copenhagen really fucking helped him out, as it should, as it would for you know anybody that was actually trying to do something like that, given that opportunity to do something, you know take a trip like that and learn for even though it was like what a week or whatever you, you can pick up a lot of information like same thing with richie totally changed him you know so like totally changed marcus it just made him better you know and he was already he already had the ambition he was already like motivated to do this as we knew from season one hence the fucked up like a little bitch or whatever it was <laughs> which uh which i'm Carmen, sorry though he, Carmen, he, Carmen he is admitted sorry, that he'll regret it forever and shit and yeah i mean dude those things fucking happen it's a fucking restaurant's kitchen you know but they get it and they have that understanding and uh it, it, at the end of the day the result is fucking phenomenal you know so i uh, will go back to the cannoli real quick that's my favorite of the bunch i love it i love it that he named it the michael i love that that he designed it as a piece of everybody and when Carm asked for something savory and a cannoli he fucking delivered you know very nice 
lot of kind of interesting stuff here. One thing that I liked is kind of a detail that showed that Carr maybe wasn't on top of his game was the thing where shit was installed on the wrong side, right? Was that just where the pots and pans were supposed to be? So they should be on the side of your dominant hand, I guess, because they're heavy. Is that basically the idea? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, if everybody's right-handed, you know, then yeah, you want to be able to convenience. You want to be able to fucking reach and grab shit like that. If you're designing a kitchen, well, pretty much from scratch, yeah. Then yeah, you want that shit set in place. Now, I've never been in a place where it's like, well, let's put this here, let's put this here. It's kind of like this is what we got, make do, you know. So I didn't have the, I've never had the luxury of being like, uh, <laughs> you know, this needs to be here. So you just kind of make it work. But yeah, if you have the uh, option or choice, then like they did. And spending the money they did it should have been the way he wanted it but he slacked on uh you know paying attention to it and obviously it was on the wrong side so now that sucks now you just got to adapt and and make it work how however you know because now that is what it is yeah it's like he doesn't even have a phone or something i swear oh. <laughs> right one thing that i'm pretty sure is probably real is the serve safe thing like serve safe yeah. certified is that a thing it is definitely a thing. I um, thought I've actually seen that name before, like a, a sticker for it or something. I feel yeah. like in a drive drive-through windows or something. Ebra taking on his phone, and then when he's talking back to it, that was one of the. I don't know why that just slayed me because he's so earnest and like ready to get back at it. He's like, "Yes, uh huh, good idea." I, I loved, uh, <laughs> I'm I pretty sure it's just son. a video, right? Like, I can't hear him. He's just very kind of into it. And I thought that was yeah. pretty great. Dude, I loved his enthusiasm for that, being that he, you know, dropped out of or, you know, didn't want to keep going to classes and everything else. But as far as like, yes, I'm going to do this now and, and taking the online class with that shit, he was all into it. And I thought that was super cool, man. Unfortunately, where I, I just recently, a couple months ago, had to go and re-up my, because they, they die in like, a, I think you have five years and then you got to re-up it or whatever the fuck, you know. So I, re yeah, I recently had to re-up my surf safe and, uh. And, and I didn't have the, in, in North Carolina, North Carolina, where I live, you can't do it online. You have to fucking sit through the fucking class again. And it's a pain in the ass. And I don't understand why, because like it, it I get it. The first someone's time. making money off it. If they're forcing your classes, because someone's making money off it. Somewhere. The, the first time you have to go through it, I get it, sit through the class and shit. But like this, like if you're just renewing it, I mean, I can renew it's like a driver's license, it. right? You take the you test renew the your license time, online. You, renew you can't it. renew the fucking thing online. Even take it, even if you have to take a test again, take it on. I mean, whatever, but Either way, yeah. Um, so yeah, the online thing, uh, not something that happens here. It's probably, I'm sure it's different state to state. So last time, the time before this was a fucking eight hour class. You just have to fucking, you know, you get a break, you get lunch, they usually feed you and shit, but it takes up your whole fucking day and it blows. You know, this time it took about six hours and that still sucked, but I got paid for it and uh, whatever. Feels like one <laughs> of those things they could probably relate everything they need to in 90 minutes. It's really just give me the fucking test, basically. Basically, like, we're like, yeah, here's shit. the thing. Let everyone 90 minutes of lecture. Here's a half hour to study. Take the Done test. Like so three or four you're done in like two to three hours, tops or something. <laughs> I feel like there's a better way. That that definitely yeah, I don't necessarily feel safer because of, you made somebody go sit somewhere for eight hours. That's it'd be like having to take a drive it'd be like having to take your road test every time you, re you renewed your license. And that actually makes more fucking sense. That yeah, at least the eye test probably should be retaken. <laughs> that's probably a big one too. All right, man, as far as I know, and, you know, I know you, so I think you're the same player here. I don't think there's ever been a bad episode of The Bear, but we got to figure out, you know, kind of what are our favorites. So we give a grade to each episode to try to figure that out. Soup, on a scale of zero to three stars, kind of Michelin style, but we'll let you give a half ski. How many stars are you giving to Omelet? Season two, episode nine, zero to three stars. Omelet's a tough one because of how it builds up until like it's almost like the beginning of a of a really good fucking jam and then it kind of like 
and, and then it just leaves you hanging for like a few, you know, until the next episode. So this episode is super important. It, it you know, uh, it's hard to not give it a three star. So I'm going to have to give it a two and a half. I got to break. A half. I don't like doing the halves, but I'm going with a half on this one. I'm doing the same. I think it's in the same place. And two feels a little bit, you know, again, a little low. Yeah. Yeah. Little... So that's what the, that's what the half for, I think. And maybe it wasn't that tough to give a grade to the episode, but I don't know if picking an MVP for Omelette is going to be that easy. Definitely not a clear-cut winner like you would have with, say, Richie and Forks or something like that. So I'm kind of curious to see who we pick with this one. Uh, Soup, you can go first. No pressure. It is tough, man, because like a lot of me wants to give this one to Sid, but I think that's kind of the obvious choice. So I'm going to go away from that. And uh, as much as I almost want to take this one and save it for later... I'm going to go ahead and bust it out now and give it to Fact just because he had the fucking screwdriver. And the conversation there was fucking hilarious. Richie's fucking helping him out with the tie and shit. He's all nervous and shit. And, dude, his transformation is awesome. A lot of the characters in this season have had a tremendous transformation. It was nice to see Fact get one. And uh, and he played into it really well. And he still came through with the fucking screwdriver. So, giving it to him. Nice. I'm also going to go a little bit kind of outside the kitchen here. and I am going to go with Uncle Jimmy. He comes through with the business license. He hooks him up with the surf safe thing on like basically no notice. And he finally gets to tell his Alex Gonzalez, Steve Bartman story. And he's been really supportive of this. You get the idea that he does really want them to succeed, not only just to get his investment back, but he actually is, you know, pulling for him. And he is just great. His reaction when Carm tells him that he's seeing somebody, he's like, oh, Carm, that's great. It's great. And I, you know, and I mean this in all like sincerity. Uh-oh. Yeah, and he's right. <laughs> so shout out Uncle Jimmy. I, I think I got to give it up for you there. Oliver Platt absolutely slays in this role. Oh, he's awesome in the show, dude. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Long way from executive decision to be one of the toothpick guy and what have you. All right, man, I think that's it. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling the entirety of season two, every episode of The Bear and uh yeah it's gonna feel good I, we had to worry about kind of slipping one past the goalie here don't have to worry about that anymore uh one thing that we probably should talk about is kind of the conversation between carm and sid under the table there and that's just nice right because in shows like this usually characters don't actually like, talk to each other directly about things like this right it's kind of through other people or they they, they kind of play it out this was building up and they had a conversation and you can kind of see both sides right yeah, I think this is a really good scene. I think it's something they needed, and uh, it was important. You know, it's a little bit of a slower moment in the episode, which is fine because you need to have that too. But it, it explained a lot between the two of them, and it definitely solidified their, uh, you know, relationship as far as in the in the restaurant goes. You know, I've always suspected. I think everybody kind of has. There might be a little something extra there as well, and that might be something to look at uh, as we move into the future. Also, you know. Yeah, and that also sets up the little bit where Carm notices the stain on her jacket, and then he gives her the the chef jacket that's embroidered like the one she, you know, or monogrammed or whatever. When she remember her admiring his back in I think yeah, episode, yeah. which obviously he had planned on giving her because there's no way he just was like, all right, well, so he had obviously like had that, you know, in mind anyway, you know, and which shows uh, that he was still definitely thinking. He wasn't just all Claire, but you know, he definitely, you know. Starting any business, especially a restaurant, like Jimmy said, you basically, it has to basically be your life, right? It's yeah. not, you know, Claire's fault. Right. That being said, though, it might have been more important to fix the fucking fridge handle than give uh, Sydney a fucking chef jacket, but they're both important. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's kind of great how that sets up, right? Karm gets, he's literally about to do it, and then Claire calls, and then Marcus asks him to taste something, so he doesn't either. He could have at least done right. one, right? Instead of choosing, where at least he would have gotten the message from Claire, and at least never kind of, you know, said what he said, even if he still got trapped in the walk-in, or he never would have gotten trapped in the walk-in. Either way, if he just either, you know what I mean, answers the call or presses send to the fridge guy, it's different, but just he does neither, and that's kind of the inaction that fucks him, you know what I mean? It's one of those right. things, like, if you take too long to choose a lane, then all of a sudden you don't, all, you passed all the exits. Yeah, man, and then you're, and then you're stuck like fucking, uh, like Clark Griswold in European Vacation, man, Big Ben, looking, can't get over. Going around the round, going around the roundabout, dude. <laughs> Yeah. That was a good one. I mean, a lot of good Sid stuff here. I like when she was kind of setting up her little station. She had the, the Coach K thing, and she's putting stickers on it. Like it's a high school locker or something like that. Just a, a yeah. little touch. Yeah, I, I do like her motivation and everything from Coach K. And I get it. You know, uh, basketball, totally not fucking kitchen. But you can totally relate the two, you know, because of the, you know, the, just going from the the drive motivation or whatever. And, you know, a coach like that, legendary, there's obviously, you know, I mean, that'll put you in a mental state. And it, and it did it for her, you know. You got to kind of have your area, right? Like, that's your area. You got to right. have it, like, comfortable, like, to get in your zone and all that. It, it was another good bit between Carmen Sid where he just asked her about her mom. I mean, that was kind of awkward, but I thought it did kind of turn into a bonding moment, right? Like, you kind of, they make a little joke about it and laugh. And I, you know, that's why I really thought, like, all right, they're, they're going to be all right, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, they'll have their ups and downs, but you feel like they... At that point, we we know that we have gone... We we both, uh, as viewers, we know both sides of it. We know we know that, uh, you know, Sydney's mom had passed away when she was young. We know that the situation with Carm's mom, you know, from the Fishes episode and shit... But neither of them know that. And we kind of forgot that watching it, you know? So like now going into this conversation, it's like, oh, yeah, they don't know shit about each other's, you know, situation with the with the mothers or whatever. So now, it's, I mean, that was, it was yeah, well Most played. of the conversations seem to have been work-related, probably. Like, they've only talked about their past as it's related to their where they've worked. Yeah, dude, well, I have, I have some, of, some, of the, some of the people I talk to more than I talk to... Uh, on a, family. On a, yeah, <laughs> more than I talk to and, and, I, and when you think about it, I'm like, I really don't know shit about this motherfucker other than what I see him at. Whoop but you know what restaurant he worked at eight years ago or something, but... Yeah, yeah, I know how you change a light bulb. I know how you like to sharpen your knives, but I don't know uh, anything about your personal life, and that's fine, <laughs> you know, because that's what we do. Yeah, but... you don't want worlds colliding. And again, another Seinfeld reference. You don't want the worlds to collide. You want to have the, the barrier. And again, nice setup here for Sid. You know, she talks about uh, like her stomach and everything, and I'll probably end up puking. And she definitely just uh, pukes it up in the finale in just a little bit when she's walking in or whatever, and she sees that veranda's closing. That was one of the restaurants we saw and that we're yeah. going to in episode two. So that just kind of adds to her. You know, just you can get why her stomach's just uh, right. And she had a previous encounter or friendship or work relationship with the. Uh, with whoever was in there at that point, right? So they were Correct. kind of... She knew, yeah, they had some sort of relationship. They had been through some shit, yeah. Probably been in battle together, you know, or took classes together or something like that. In in kitchen, we call it going into battle, you know, if you're doing dinner service or something, we're going into battle. So they probably have been in battle together. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they obviously had a past or some kind of relationship there. So I'm sure she would... I'm sure that kind of, like, fucked with her a little bit that, hey, this place is shutting down. What are these people going to do? Especially somebody that I know... 
who has maybe taught me shit or helped me out with shit in, in you know, along the way. So that might be something that. Well, I mean, then she could fail. Like, you know what I mean? It makes it more real, like more possible, okay. right? You know what I mean? Like at that point, like, There's oh, always man. that, too. I mean, this business is crazy, dude. I mean, it really is. Like, if you, if you don't, it's like Jimmy's story, dude. Like, if you're not, if you're not killing it, you're probably not going to make it. You, know? you better have a great bar business. Yeah. That's where your margin is. You got to kill it. You got to kill it on the, the beverage sales. That's really where it's at. I didn't I mean, you really. You get your biggest turnaround off of liquor and alcohol. Oh, yeah. There are places I think that. The, so. the dining room's not quite a loss leader, but it's definitely like you just want to break even there and then kill it on the back end. I know, like a lot of like, for instance, a lot of country clubs are like that. They have all like this nice dining service, but really, it's just because they need to absolutely slay at the bar to make it work. Yeah. Did you have any opinion on the uh, the painting? Obviously, Carm wasn't a fan. I just thought it was interesting that if you actually look at it, you see a shot and it's mother and father written at the top, and mother's yeah, not yeah. crossed out, and father is. And then yeah. when they're talking about Everett having to redo his thing, comes like, well, that was crossed off. And Sugar's like, well, yeah, it turns out that crossing off isn't an exact science. I thought just maybe that was like a little bit of a tease for next year or something, maybe as far as hearing a little bit more about their father or whatever. I kind of hope so, because I would not. I would like to know what the situation is there. Cause that I, seems I, where the, like, the next flashback would go, right? It kind of seems like that yeah. would make the, we got the Mikey, you know, then you get the, the mom, you get the Donna, and then. Yeah, Carm hated that hated hated that fucking painting, dude. Um That was a funny bit though, when they're talking and then she tells him that she invited Donna and then she's like, Oh, you can't just and he's like, No, I'm so mad about the painting. Right. He oh, was yeah, definitely not happy about that one. Flip side of that, the bear sign out front I thought was awesome. Kind of like rugged and metal. Fucking if you watch on YouTube, yeah. you can see it behind me right now. I just thought that was great. I'm like, that is cool. Like I would rock that on a t shirt and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it, man. I mean, that would be a restaurant I would think I would go into and get, like, I would need more. I would just walk in past. I'd look at that sign and be like, oh, that's pretty dope. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, you know what else is dope, though? Cantaloupe and caviar, dude. Correct. Dope, though. It's definitely dope. That's indeed. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely for sure, man. You know, got to jack the menu prices up 5%. That's the thing. She was just out of you know, she's got 5 7 whatever. What are we talking about? Food cost is crazy though. I mean, you can't go blowing your whole lot on like expense. Like if you if you are using expensive ingredients and shit, that's great. And, and but it ups your it ups your fucking cost. So I mean, it, if you're in a place where your clientele will buy, you know, a fifty dollar entree or give or take, you know, then then you're probably fine. But if you're in a place, you know, if you're if you're in a place where people aren't trying to spend more than like twenty bucks on an entree, then you're gonna have trouble selling fucking caviar and, and shit. You know, so. It all depends on location and what you're doing and, 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 you know, the patronage that you have, man. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, obviously here they're trying to kind of upgrade while keeping the sandwiches going through the, the window or whatever. It seems to kind of like, you know, trying to have your cake and, and eat it too a little bit. So hopefully that works out. And one thing I noticed here, the dude, Josh, definitely high as shit. You don't notice it really if you're not watching it with an eye for it because he's only in there real quick. But if you're actually paying attention, he is fucking zooted already. Yeah, the second time around when I when I scoped those out, I was like, "This motherfucker," you know, and you know, I, I, unfortunately, this is part of it. Sometimes you get a lot of uh, you'll you'll get people like that sometimes, man. You know, I mean, you'll get people from all walks of life and shit. But you, you know, when you get when you get somebody like that, it's it's best to just fucking once you figure it out. Sorry, but you know, because things will only get worse from there. Yeah, you got eighty six fucking Josh after that shit, dude doesn't even really matter if it's meth or crack well, or, either or, or, yeah, yeah, either or even just a little or maybe he's doing a hybrid i don't really know 
Yeah, again, we kind of already talked about the Uncle Jimmy stuff when I picked him for MVP, but I, I just love that scene. Thought it was great. Uh, very cool sports reference here with Steve Bartman, because I actually knew who Alex Gonzalez was, and I'm like, where is he going with this? I, I know the Bartman incident, but I'm not a Cubs fan or a Marlins fan, so I just kind of remember it vaguely. I don't remember all the details like that. So I thought that was cool. And just it's kind of headline, though, when he's just like, you know, and everybody wants to blame this fucking guy instead of the actual motherfucker fuck ups who fucked it up. Just when you can get that many fucks in sequence. I yeah. just, it's, and he just the delivery is just awesome. So, he is fucking great at that. Man. This is yeah, like I, I shouldn't say the role of his lifetime. I know he's been a working actor for, you know, 30, 40 years or something. But he is just so good here. You know what I mean? It's kind of like. You know, not really like your usual soprano-ish kind of mob guy, but just enough, just a little bit of a hint of it, kind of. Yeah, you definitely don't fuck with that guy, you know? Right. You know, but you kind of want to like him, too, you know? Like, just the right. perfect version. And I would definitely, you know, in my head, like, I'm just picturing him you know, going into, you know, his cousin works at the bottom bank in Jersey or something like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a shocker for me. Uh, we should probably touch on the, uh, the, the Sid and Marcus scene there, because... I don't know, man. Initially, I'm like, did Marcus get friend zoned, or was Sid just so far, just not really kind of realizing what was going on that she just because you see her walking away like fuck, and then he's like fuck, and that definitely comes back up in the finale where Marcus isn't sure if like she's tre- treating him differently because of this interaction. Because honestly, I thought they kind of liked each other a little bit. That was the impression that I got. I mean, it, this goes back to the first season where they spent some time together on one-on-one and shit, and they, you thought there might be something brewing there or whatever. But I definitely think this is probably a friend zone situation, man. Maybe not, but at this point, and judging from her reaction on that, I think it's definitely, you know, I would I would be more inclined to say that her and Carm hooked up than I would to say that her and Marcus hooked up at this point, you know. For some reason, I don't know, man, maybe Richie came through, maybe Richie and Sid. Maybe, maybe you know I one mean, of the kind of the opposites attract kind of thing or something. I don't know. They they seem like that, yeah, that wouldn't that, that totally wouldn't like Richie. I don't think can have a chick that can out Richie Richie. Right. Without getting too far ahead, yeah. Without getting too far ahead, because we do uh, we do still have the next episode to do here, and uh, some of that'll probably be in conversation as well. But uh, but yeah, that's an interesting point, dude. I didn't think about that, but now that you mention it. That definitely could be. Um, I mean, Richie. Was I'd almost rather not see dude. any of it, you know. But yeah, I don't really, I don't mind them having relationships, but I think doing it within the restaurant could be. That's probably just ultimately going to cause drama, which won't be worth it. If they want to do it and actually make like a happy couple or something, I'm probably okay with it. But I don't want to do it just to create a, a you know, dramatic, dramatic tension, basically. No, if you're going to do that, do it with some lower level characters, man. Have like, uh, you know, so-and-so cook banging the fucking bartender and make the fucking funny shit out of it. Yeah, there, if you, you want to expand out to the front of the house or something like that right. or whatever kind of... Yeah, I guess you could do that a little that's bit. That's more likely. That's 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 way more likely of a scenario, man, you know. In real life, anyway. Yeah. And uh, just shout out the scene. It's kind of the initial, was it like about 45 minutes before service or whatever, when they kind of gather everybody. And uh, Richie's like, uh, first day lizards. I loved his yeah. little speech there. You could tell he's been yeah, reading all these books and everything. That was really cool. And I think he, there was a Marv Levy reference in there, right? Although I think he was quoting with the old, you know, where else would you rather be than right here, right now kind of thing? I'd like to think so. I, I definitely I'm pretty like sure that's so. from something bef- that predated Marv Levy, but that's where I know it from. And it's again, like he, he Streets Ahead, uh, that's a pull from Community. I'm, I've never heard Streets Ahead anywhere except on the show Community before. And I don't know that anybody worked on it. I, I don't know where that pull, I mean, Jillian Jacobs, 
but she's not the Richie's uh you know ex-wife in the show was a lead on community that's the only thing I could come up with but that's the only other place I've ever heard streets ahead before so yeah that's a good point I don't know that I ever really have so so, uh, yeah, excellent, man. Fucking Cadabra uh, chefs. I mean, Richie's just on fire. Yeah, here. he did bust out the Abracadabra. And I like it that he was kind of fumbling towards the end there, you know, and and, <laughs> and, and it just fucking. Yeah, he kind of got to the pulled. end of his material, more or less, I think. He was prepared, right. but he wasn't really, he's not quite up to improv level yet. And then it started turning out to be pretty funny. And, and then, and then he just like, he, he stopped at the perfect moment before he fucking, before he, before well, he Sid basically out. came in and saved him, I think with the changes to the menu and everything. And is that yeah. more or less something that happens in a lot of places? You kind of have that before service menu. If you're, you know, at least if you're just opening kind of, ideally, yes, <laughs> kind of really yeah. maybe shift change kind of, at least if you can get everybody together and. When you come Ideally, in, just know yes, the... you always want to have everybody you want everybody to know what the fuck's going on so pre-shift meetings uh you know any any pre-service meeting whether it's lunch dinner breakfast whatever the fuck you know you got to know what's going on do you know what the specials are do you know that this is not there anymore do do you know what we're out of do you know what we have uh as far as uh fucking side dishes and whatnot you know anything anything that fucking falls into play because you don't want your staff going out there talking to the people and not knowing what the fuck they're talking about, man. Super important. Nor do you want your fucking cooks thinking you have fucking spinach to make cream spinach, but instead you're out of fucking spinach or any fucking thing, you know, whatever, for example. But, Sounds uh, like something specific that might have happened. <laughs> I had a cream spinach situation not too long ago. You know, like, Where's my fucking spinach, you know? But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, these things happen, man. But like, yes, knowing ahead of time what's going on is is definitely very fucking important. And having communication like that is even more important, man. Yeah, I loved all that, talking about kind of reading minds and everything like that. That was just all, you know, very good. If, if, you know, if uh, Gary, what do you do if they're cold? Uh, make them not cold? Probably warm them up would have been the right answer, but uh, uh, make them not cold. He said something uh, else that was great, too. Yeah, there uh, were a couple good. Good. Gary's low-key. That might be in the next episode with the forks, maybe. Luxury, wait, no, the luxury, what the fuck did he say? It was something fucking awesome, like... uh I don't even think it was a word, but he he stumbled on it. And he said it a couple times. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. It. I know what you. I cannot think of what I know what you're referencing. <laughs> I can't think of exactly what it is, but maybe we'll play it if you're watching on YouTube. Maybe if you just pop that in there. Yeah. Anticipation creates luxuriation. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking abra fucking cadaver chefs. And uh, again, just shout out the scene with Richie and, and Fack. You know, I like that he's got up in the front of the house now and the, them getting ready, looking all handsome with his Al Capone shit. He's got the screwdriver in the pocket of his suit jacket and everything. I yeah, just thought all that was really great. Dude, sometimes you just can't take out of somebody. You know, you can take the, you can put a suit on somebody, but that motherfucker still might have a screwdriver in his pocket, man. And super minor moment is when his brother sneaks in the back to give him the palm for karm. Parm for Karm was great too. Yeah, I love Parm for Karm. And, and, you know, and Karm's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, Richie wouldn't let me in the front door. And Karm's like, good, he's not fucking supposed to. And then in the next episode, you see Richie bitch at him for it. Right. <laughs> I just like that he kind of takes it ser you know, seriously like that. But I Parm for Karm, another great t-shirt probably. Yes, definitely a great t-shirt. Or, or yeah, Parm for Karm, dude. <laughs> With the number four, damn it. <laughs> oh yeah you got to for that it's like having if you're gonna put money in a bag you have to put a dollar sign on it those are the rules i, I didn't make them i just live by them uh and right. just the very end dude they're right by the door and they're kind of looking at each other talking it's like 45 minutes till we're in the shit yeah you know, they kind of look at each other for the guy bit. for the guy 
and then Sid gives the let it rip, and then they the lock of the ACDC. I mean, that definitely. Dude, did, that the episode a, most definitely did its job. They had a lot of work to do to get you to the point where you could open up the finale, like right in the shit already, and they did a great job of it. Yeah, absolutely. That was a great way to finish off this episode and get you ready for, uh, dude, when, when this next episode pops, this place is fucking open. We've been waiting for it all season, and, uh, and here it is, and we're about to get into it uh, in a little bit, so... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I don't. I think that's a, that's about it for my notes on Omelet. Anything else you would like to mention on Omelet? Uh, no, other than uh, other than fucking let it rip, man. Let it rip. All right, I guess it's a time to do the finale. The bear. We're back to the bear. Back to the bear. Okay. Welcome back to The Bear. Thank you so much for joining us on The Bear Brigade. And here we are to talk about episode 10, season 2, the season finale of The Bear. Let's do it. All right, man. Like he said, season 2, episode 10, the 18th overall episode of The Bear, titled The Bear. Again, released June 22nd, 2023, with the rest of season 2. Once again, directed by show co-creator, co-runner Christopher Storer. This is the 12th episode of The Bear that he has directed. Written by Kelly Galuska. This is her first written by credit on The Bear. It looks like she was primarily writing for Big Mouth and Human Resources before this, but she also had episodes of Archer and Bojack Horseman. So big fan of her, big fan of this episode. Notable guest stars include Oliver Platt as Uncle Jimmy, Jamie Lee Curtis as Donna Brazado, Edwin Lee Gibson as Abraham. Molly Gordon as Claire, Corey Hendricks as Gary, Robert Townsend as Emmanuel, Joel McHale as New York City Chef, and Chris Witoski as Pete. The short plot summary is, when the bear opens, Richie is running the front of the house while Sydney runs the kitchen. Issues begin to pile up early. The restaurant runs out of forks, and the newly hired line cook Josh disappears, forcing Sydney and Marcus to assist. Then, the handle on the walk-in breaks, trapping Carmen inside. Sydney seems to get overwhelmed, but Richie successfully takes over in the kitchen. Pete notices Donna outside, and he begs her to come in, but she refuses. She doesn't think that she deserves to witness her children's success. Pete accidentally reveals Natalie's pregnancy to Donna before she leaves. The service is a success, but Carmen is still trapped in the walk-in. He spirals into self-loathing and rants about how his relationship with Claire has ruined his focus in the kitchen. Claire overhears him and leaves in tears. This leads to Richie having a heated argument with Carm through the door of the walk-in. To make matters worse, Carm is devastated when he plays a voicemail from Claire, where she confesses her love for him. Marcus receives a gift from Luca, but he misses numerous calls from his mother's nurse. Sandy feels stressed, yet emboldened, by the successful opening night. Somebody finally shows up to cut Carm out of the walk-in, and it's not the first time that he's done this. Uh, that's it, Soup. Season two finale, the bear, the finale of the bear. Season two, what do you think, man? They stick the the landing to the Nadia Comaneci or whatever. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, dude. I mean, this was a fucking great episode, start to finish, man. I mean, it really came in hot. I don't even know where to go from here because I don't want to jump ahead. So let's uh, let's break this thing down from the from the. Sounds from like just big thumbs up. It sounds like uh, big thumbs up for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Two yeah. thumbs way up, yeah. I very much enjoyed it myself. I think the soup is right. Let's just say we loved it and just get right into it here, man. Uh, our appetizer is kind of like the music of the bear because we love forking with it. 
in much like uh, Dan Fouts, I believe it was, pointed out in the Waterboy, at this point, you can't hold anything back, right? And they really don't hold anything back on the soundtrack here. We get Supernova by Liz Fair, Veleria by Pixies, Vegetables by Brian Wilson, Spiders, Kids Smoke Live by Wilco, Animal by Pearl Jam, I Think I Need a New Heart by The Magnetic Fields, Half a World Away by R.E.M., and Hope Weekend Again by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, definitely back to the well here, but I don't really mind. And I just have to say, man, the animal needle drop is just chef's kiss for me. Uh, I've thought about that a few times, Hell. and it's hard to pick a, what would have been a better song there. And it's probably one of the more mainstream tracks, but even the more I think about it, I believe that was off of Versus, and I don't even know if that was like, I don't know, maybe it was the third or fourth most popular track on that album. Yeah, because you have like daughter and uh, uh, what else is on there? Fucking first. Was, I think Ledbetter was on the the bonus edition. I think they re-released it with the yellow Ledbetter. Yeah, it wasn't on some the point. Album. Yeah, there were a few on there. Uh, well, let's see, I, I was gonna go at the one, woman in a small town. Uh, there's a couple. Elderly that's a good album. Yeah, that's a that's funny. I haven't. That's probably worth a worth a listen to. I haven't listened to verses uh, in a minute. Uh, thoughts oh, on sure. on just kind of that needle drop, right? I mean, was it the right? I, it sounds like you thought it was the right song for that moment. I mean, Richie just turned into an animal, kind of, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was like as most. They of all did, fucking... really. They all kind of stepped up and embraced their inner animal. They're bear, right? It's kind of a little bit nice that the the big needle drop of the season is an animal, like a bear. Yeah, it all makes sense, man. When you think about it, it's got again many many layers, and there's a uh, you know there's levels here, man. And yeah, it's oh, a, dude, the a, flat line when uh, they go into like, it. With the, just the flat line, and Sid's looking at it, and she's like, Richie, drive, and then they drop it. Right. I mean, just, just shout out to editing oh, and so, the sound dude, design there. Just when absolutely you're watching just that, you're beautiful. Like, yeah, man. It's, it's fucking awesome, dude. It, it couldn't have been better fucking played, I don't think, man. I mean, maybe there could be some other song choices. I don't even have one in mind, but something on that caliber with that kind of intensity would, would, would work. But right now, it's Animal, and that's what it was, and because it's Animal... And for all the other reasons, this animal, it's a fucking animal by Pearl Jam, dude. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's probably a couple of Zeppelin tracks that might work if you were going to go older. Metallica feels a little bit too hard. You know, there's probably something you get that time. But considering how much they'd gone to Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder all season, it seemed to be, you know, very in line with what the show has done. So it just, one of those things, like in retrospect, it makes total sense. So I don't think I can really, you know, kind of quibble with that one. It was just set up so well and one of the the most beautiful things for me in this episode was just when you went back and forth in and out of the kitchen in the front of the house everything changed it was like going in an airlock right in a submarine or something because you'd hear in the kitchen yeah. you get all the noise and the lobby and then you would go out and all of a sudden boom you'd hear like the everything gets sucked out of the room and it's just the ambient noise they had a, i think that's where they had a couple of the other tracks just kind of playing lightly as the background music i think that's where like the, the liz fair was the brian wilson was just kind of playing in the front of the house i think uh you know any yeah, kind of man. thoughts on that situation the way they kind of set that up yes absolutely i mean it, it totally is two different worlds man and you know stepping from from kitchen to dining room is a drastic like you're you you're like you're going through a fucking warp fucking tunnel or something man you know i mean it's, it's it's definitely different from anything from fucking temperature to fucking volume of 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 uh of sound and whatnot and and uh it, it, you know in the content of the sound you know so and the general vibe you know you can go from completely hectic crazy fucking kitchen shit 
take a couple steps, go out to the dining room, and then, and then it's, it's the perspective of, of the, you know, the diners and whatnot. And like I said, everything is totally different out there. But the whole thing with front of the house, man, everything is perception out there. You know, everything's perception no matter what. In the back, it's, uh, it's just make get it out there to make it part of the perception. Yeah, it's not quite the music, but right, you know, when Richie's about to take over right before the needle drop, you just hear Carm screaming in the walk-in in the background the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just such a nice little touch. And that kind of happens throughout the scene. You just randomly hear Carm yelling and pounding and everything. It just added a lot to it. Uh, Thoughts on kind of leaning on R.E.M. once again for the the big outro here, Hack a World Away. I mean, I thought it it definitely fit, really. I mean, it was very kind of melancholy, but it was a very kind of melancholy ending. You know, especially you get the shot of Carm in the walk-in when they start to cut in. You just get the sparks and they zoom out and then right. they zoom in on Sid and then cut. It just extremely well edited. And if you were going to go R.E.M., I mean, that's, you know, got to go with the saddest song kind of right there. And they did a good job of it, I thought. Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely a good choice. And it wasn't like... Uh, I heard like, it before, but it was, again, not one I was super familiar with. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go with like everybody hurts or you know. Yeah, that would have been a little bit too. <laughs> so good choice on the R.E.M. song if you're sticking with R.E.M. and and way to not bring strange currencies back again. Although I love you know that. Yeah, that... Like if they were gonna go Trent Reznor, you could have gone Hurt or something. If you're gonna go super like right up the middle, Radiohead or something. There's probably other ways it could have gone, but other ways it could have gone. But yeah, uh, yeah, well played with that, and uh, you know, I mean, no complaints at all on the soundtrack. Man, very impressed. Yeah, Wilco again. I think we got a couple Wilco tracks this year. I didn't really catch that one in here, but it was a live joint, so I'm assuming it was one they were playing in the front of the house. I would think so, too, because I don't remember really catching they, it. Because they mixed a couple in there. The only one that came up in the closed caption, I think, was the Liz Fair one. But that's why they had, usually on an average episode, they have like about five, and here they had eight. So they were definitely playing uh, you know, a few more tracks than they normally did. Yeah, Liz Fair, that's definitely a name I haven't even heard of since the 90s, man. So, uh good call on that <laughs> hey they know what they like man they, they're you know, right, keeping right. it on brand basically and on brand for you is in our season predictions or preview whatever you want to call it you stated like all right i want to see some action i want to be in the shit and dude you fucking get it in the finale we're in this shit almost start to finish i, I really wasn't sure where to start and i figured let's just go with the the funnest thing dude have you ever had anybody bail mid-service like josh does and then did you eventually find them out back smoking meth or was it crack or does it really matter at that point? I mean, how much fact, does that yeah. fuck everyone else over? Like, uh, big time. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately this kind of thing happens from time to time, man, or a situation like it, you know? So things like this happen, man. I mean, people that work in restaurants, I'm not trying to stereotype or anything. Cause I work in a fucking restaurant, did it my whole life, you know, but you, 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 you have a wide variety of people, people from all over, you know, whatever kind of walk of life or whatever, man, you know, so you, you get, you get, uh, you get people sometimes like that as well, you know? And, uh, and, and yeah, man, I mean, it sucks, dude, but there's nothing you can do. So, um, you know, just gotta yeah. You take the you take the experience. Somebody dips out in the middle of fucking, what's worse, somebody being like "fuck you," I'm out and walking out, or someone just ghosting and not saying anything. Ghosting and not saying anything because at least you know that if somebody right, says "fuck," that happens. Well. So, so yeah, I've seen that too, man. I've, I've, I, there's not a fucking day that goes by where I don't think I'm gonna be that guy. You know what? Fuck you, I'm out. You know, because almost every day in the kitchen, there's a at one point in time you're like, you know what, man. Maybe I can just say fucking go. 
but you don't, man. And you know, then, especially like, if you like your coworkers, because that's who you're really going to probably screw over ultimately. Exactly. The owner's going to like still make their money. They'll hire somebody else. It's your coworkers that are going to be stuck covering for you that are going to really take it. That's exactly what it is, dude. That's very well put. Very well put, man. There's been times where, you know, I mean, uh, any good restaurant is going to have a very tight-knit fucking crew. And, uh, you know, there's been times where you you have, you have have to step up and be like, okay, well, so-and-so fucked up or this situation happened and you end up staying later, even though you don't want to because of who you're working with, you know, um, or do an extra shit because of who you're working with. Because you know if you don't, then they're going to have to do that plus other shit. And why would you do that to them? Because they wouldn't do it to you or for whatever reason, man. So it's important to have that. There is a camaraderie, especially in a kitchen, that that is is almost imperative if you want to make your kitchen really work you know but uh yeah and and the unfortunate shit happens people do up and walk out people do use fucking uh nasty nasty drugs at work sometimes man and the shit that impairs you and has to and, and has to make you are you sure you want to are you sure i should fire you yes at that point you do this isn't like going to you know if, if you catch somebody out back smoking fucking meth then uh it's not like walking out and and seeing a couple dudes fucking smoking a joint way different of a situation uh causes way different problems has a whole different i mean i'm not even going to get into the fucking particulars here but yes fire that motherfucker get it done before fucking worse shit happens man yeah just the whole exchange though when marcus catches him is just you know this is an episode that doesn't have a ton of funny moments it's you know again the bear doing its very stressful thing but when marcus is just like is that meth and josh is like oh barely yeah and then when marcus goes in to like you know i'm gonna go see if i can fire you whatever he's like dude i think you're you're overreacting here what for this i'm kind of yeah yeah i think so (laughs) and then marcus gets to have the conversation with sid where it's like yo shit's been weird but i think i have something that'll kind of make it like unweird and it's like uh you know i found josh and then smoking crack in the alley that's wild that's wild and marcus says he said it makes him kick so much ass Right. Like, I yeah. mean, that just can't be true. And then Marcus is like, I mean, saw him cutting those carrots earlier. Any chance that the people could be on performance enhancing drugs like that? Will it really help your carrots cutting? I think in the long run, absolutely fucking not. Right. Uh, yeah. It's like people who go like, oh, I'm better at pool when I'm drunk. Like, yeah, after like three beers, you might be a little better because you have more confidence. But after six beers, probably less. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can have just one hit of meth. I don't really know how that works. It doesn't seem like. Uh, Something you can have just one of is different than somebody like I'd rather catch somebody drinking on the job, you know, um, for sure, like any day over over smoking meth on the job. And we had gone through a situation not too long ago uh, where somebody was, you know, smoking fucking meth at at the job. We would go to the bathroom and fucking smoke fucking meth and come back, and you could tell. I knew it was a couple. It was a guy we hired a couple weeks go by. He gets his first couple paychecks. He kicked ass up until then. And then you're like, man, this guy's off, dude. Like, what's up with him? You know. And he was on. He was. He was on that shit, man. And uh, it's it's bad. You know. I mean, you can tell. You like that's the thing, man. It, the the super erratic behavior, the fucking just like sloppiness and everything else. You know. I mean, and then the difference in personality and all that. But the, at the end of the day, it turned out to man, this dude was forgetting shit not dropping shit like when he was supposed to and then like trying to make up for it so what happened was he <laughs> he was trying to speed up some chicken right so he was like oh man i'm short some chicken so i'm gonna grab uh i'm gonna grab some chicken and poke holes in it to make it cook faster theoretically it kind of works but not the way he did it like grabs a fucking chicken wing and an eight inch fucking chef's knife holding the chicken wing in his hand in the middle of the shit like it's busy as fuck right 
and he starts stabbing this fucking chicken wing, dude. Do I if I if I don't even need to fucking finish the story? Goes uh, through the chicken wing, <laughs> obviously. This was a flat, so it had the two bones. Fucking shit went all the way through it and sliced the fuck out of his finger. Bad, you know. And so, delivered salmonella right into his bloodstream, basically, probably too. Most likely. So and then it's uh you know and then it's oh shit you know and uh, whatever he drops and his fucking blood everywhere and it's like okay well this situation sucks we're in the middle of fucking super busy now this is happening somebody's got to go take care of that we're down a guy probably definitely not getting this guy back tonight and we got to worry about blood we got to worry about fucking all this other shit and the, and everything else is happening as far as like you know trying to pump out the ridiculous amount of fucking tickets we got right now so don't smoke meth yeah and and obviously that's never the answer no matter the question happened, never the answer. it just happened to be like you know the final fucking straw like once it happened then it was like uh and then after that it was like he never came back to work and shit and kept like uh sorry man doctors know and like no we don't want doctors knows man like ended up uh we just fucking gave him the boot but um but yeah dude it was crazy because when uh he had dropped the knife that he was stabbing the chicken with man and uh like i said it was an eight inch fucking chef's knife dude so probably not the proper tool for jabbing something dude either way it doesn't fucking matter when he dropped that shit we picked it up that motherfucker was halfway up the blade dude with the fucking two bones in between it and shit so he like went like that shit went all the way fucking through oh, dude. man i mean it got him down to the bone dude it was pretty bad um seems a pretty bad so that, that was a pretty hard one yeah and uh so anyway man at the end of the day yeah accidents happen uh shit happens but if you're erratic and on fucking shit like that i mean kitchen might not be the best place for you because it's ultra dangerous not only can you hurt yourself you can hurt other people and uh you know that's that's definitely not cool so right on man and uh we, we hear a lot of different terms and everything in this so we might need to check out the uh the soup dick chinary uh what's up with the soup dick chinary here dude uh what's a full board full board means like you got a full we can call it full rail too like you're fucking stacked. Your tickets are all the, the uh, restaurant. You, you every fucking okay, shit yeah, it's all there, dude. So. Uh, you hear hands a lot. Is that just do you need people to come grab shit? Yeah, hands means come get your shit. Hands, please. Ding, ding, ding. Order up. Ring the fucking bell. Whatever the fuck it is you got, you know. Uh, like walk it out. Like walk walk it out to the table. Is that what that means basically. Yeah, right. yeah. I, that yeah. seemed uh, pretty. Decision walking means just leaving the kitchen, going to the fucking dining room. Yeah, it's not growing legs and moving out of here on its own. Uh, you hear like six top, four top, that kind of thing. Is that just like how many people are at a table or whatever? That's how many people are at a table, yeah. So when you get menu counts, you ask for menu counts. It's like, well, we got a, you know, 26 open. There's an eight top and a 10 top in there, you know. So you know automatically that that's 18 of those 26. Then you got a couple fours and two, whatever the fuck, you know. So Nice. And uh, when you're like, I'm in the fucking shit, leave me alone. Is that just like another day in the life of? Is that like your Mr. Wendell, your rest of development? That's just like... Dude, what the fuck? What are you thinking? Talking to me right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're in the shit, dude, being in the shit is what we call it. When we're in battle, you know, in the middle of service, you're in the shit. Don't fuck with me. Don't come up to me with like anything really, other than uh, you know something pertaining to what we're doing. Because like you got to focus on what you're doing to make sure it happens, man. And some other dumb shit that has nothing to do with what you're doing, we'll fucking throw that off. Yeah. Uh, nice one that I really didn't quite get. They say it a bunch of times. Uh, what's all day? All day means okay. So I want to know how many fucking uh, how many how many New York strips all day. You know, okay, that means on the entire fucking board, all your fucking orders, you have fucking uh, eight. So New overall, York. basically, like total yeah. kind of. 
Gotcha. Right. I got, I need an all day. I got fucking eight strips. I got fucking, you know, 16 fucking potatoes, 26 orders of fries, whatever the fuck. It's like a full there. rundown, basically. Like whole thing. A... What do I need to drop, man? And each station can call on all day. So say you're, say you're, uh, you know, you're on grill and you know, you need, uh, I want an all day grill. You got fucking, you know, six burgers, fucking, you know, eight chickens, couple hot dogs, whatever the fuck. It's what, everything you need, you know? Right. When they say like fire something, I'm assuming that means like start cooking it. Yes. Like put that shit in. <laughs> I guess some of these seem pretty obvious. How about like when they're like a two by two, four by four, six by six? Is that just like how many you're putting on a tray or something? Or Yeah, I think that's pretty much set up on that one. Um, as far as like, you know, putting it together and taking her out. Yeah, cool. That's uh, you know, they just said a bunch of shit and most of the time you can figure it out, but it did seem, you know, like it was pretty realistic terminology and the show is always kind of stuck to that. So I yeah, did like that. How about the bit? This is the one thing I maybe didn't totally understand. Why do they only have five minutes of their fuck? Like when Richie has to come on or whatever, like why is it like specifically five minutes? I know they were kind of behind a little bit or something, but was that just to kind of create dramatic tension more or less or? I mean, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. It'll do, For the show, yes. For, uh, you know, realistic kitchen, whatever. I think that in five minutes, if we don't catch the fuck up, we're screwed because then we're going to be, everything's going to be behind. Like, we have five minutes to make this work and get back to where we're supposed to be. And that's what I kind of gather, like, make Right, because it's practice, I guess. They're trying to pretend like everyone's paying and you can't Yeah, like, we're getting over, buried so. right here. If we don't get out of this fucking hole in five minutes, you know, at that point, we're going to be screwed. If we can then everything's kind of back where it was. You know what I mean? And and we're good. In most kitchens, do you have somebody like like what Richie and Sid were doing, just calling shit out? Or is it kind of like everybody chipping in and doing it? Or how does that kind of process? Yeah, it depends on the kitchen, man. That's kind of what I figured. Big uh, kitchen, you probably have someone who's designated smaller kitchen. It's more kind of by community. Yeah, I mean, uh, smaller kitchens are obviously doubling up. There's not as much shit going on, or sometimes there is, but uh it's it depends on how it's designed kitchens like that that i mean when you have like multiple expo and shit then that's uh i mean that's that's ideal you know but you don't always get that you don't always get like you know a line of fucking uh you know cooks or whatever it's one guy doing sauces one guy cooking steaks one guy cooking food you know i mean a lot of unless you're working in like one of these kind of like michelin caliber restaurants you're not going to get that luxury but uh yeah i like how they just have people waiting like sometimes you yeah. just see there's just people like waiting to be told what to do it just reminds me of that episode from the simpsons where uh it's when marge sells the pretzels and the, the mafia and then the yakuza gets involved and they all show up at the end for a showdown and the yakuza says this one little dude just standing there and he's just standing there and homer's like dude i just want to see what this guy's gonna do man when he does something you know it's gonna be cool it just made me right, think of yeah, that moment when these people are just standing there. Yeah. I know they're just waiting to, like, go grab shit and bring it out, but I just thought it was awesome. They kind of had their own little, like, you know, like, regiment ready to go. Yeah, and, you know, I, this is one thing This is one thing that I looked at uh, during this episode, and, and, you know, and I get it, and that's cool, and, and I know the I know the way this restaurant is run and designed and everything, and those restaurants like that are fine, but in a different situation, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, trained a little bit of a different wage where I just see somebody fucking standing there, and I'm getting my ass kicked. I'm like, God damn it, do something, anything, you know, just fucking stand there. But I guess if your job is to fucking stand there, you know. Right, it's one of those things, and you kind of see that throughout the episode where there's a little bit of arguing, like, like, Tina's like, oh, Carm told me to do this, and it's like, no, I want you to do it my way, and then Carm kind of comes back over the top, and I guess that's where you kind of have to have everyone in your defined roles in a situation like that, right? Everyone's got to kind of be, you know, marching to the same tune, basically, or you're going to get some kind of cross signals. 
this is another thing with this restaurant that I find a little bit uh, almost out of reach is of staff they have. I think I don't know that they need that amount of staff. It is a soft open. It's kind of like, like I said, standing around. You know, have, you don't have to have four fucking guys standing there waiting to take food out. I don't think, you know, because it doesn't seem like it's coming out that quickly. And that, and that, on that, on that much of a fucking rotation where you like, if there's four guys, seems like it there, probably should have been. For, and I think that was the problem, right? But, right? Shouldn't add, but they shouldn't be standing there for that long. They should be like, okay, cool, I go. And that was only two guys there, and now I go, and that was, you know, and then. But nobody's going nowhere. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> for what it's worth, like Richie was definitely like Sid was kind of being a little bit passive or whatever when she was doing it. When Richie came on, I don't know, like it was kind of like coaching style, right? Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with the way Sid was doing it, but it didn't seem like she was the right coach for this squad. And then I don't Richie think comes she... in and like he like knew how to properly motivate them or whatever, right? Like it 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 is what it is. It's not you know everyone's just different stylistically, yeah. a little bit different. But he came on and you get the idea like. You know, he would inspire people a little bit, like, "Oh, come on, we're gonna be smoking cigarettes in five minutes." Like, uh, right? And he fucking party, that, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's exactly. he's just trying to, you know. And even he fucked up a couple times, but he just kind of rolls with it, just keeps going, 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 going. Yeah, he. I mean, he did a fantastic fucking job. I mean, and I'll be honest, I'll say, like, Sid, Sid, Sid can do it, but I don't know that she she's not vocal enough. She's not loud she enough. Seems she seems like she'd be better cooking. It seems like she, she would doesn't prefer have the to personality do. for it. To, yeah, she should take. Well, a role. you don't have to be a good cook to do what Richie was doing, and I think it helps that Richie is a people person. Right? I think that was the whole yeah. setup of his arc to show, like, that's what he's almost built for. Like, he can handle stressful situations and people. Exactly. You know what Where, I mean? Like, you don't have to do that to cook. Yeah, you need to be able to handle some stress, but. You know, sometimes you just need to handle the people in the kitchen, not the, you know, it's a little back to the office space thing, right? You're, the technology guys, the engineers don't want to talk to the customers, that kind of, you know, everyone's got their own place. Yeah, and here's an, here's another thing about this is like, uh, you know, given where Richie and Sydney were in, in the in the setup of this epi- of this kitchen, you know, the food's going out, right? So you see you see the line of cooks behind it, everybody's putting the place together and all that. And then the food fucking carries out. But who's there's always like it's usually it's almost always the expo, like what they're doing is the expo. And and it's always those people that check the food first, give it that final look before it goes out. I didn't see anybody doing that in this episode. It was just I think that's what Karm was doing initially. If I I because he was looking for smudges and everything. I'm pretty sure that's what Karm was doing. Because he was right by Sid right there. And it looked and that's why I think he told Tina what to do, and that's why she was still doing it. The way Carm had told her to, so I'm pretty sure that that's what Carm was actually doing. That definitely makes sense, and that probably is. You know, I mean, he was just then floating between stations, I think, and then just kind of doing that. Basically, you know, I remember him talking no smudges. He brought the smudges thing back. That was a nice little callback. You hear him uh, definitely point that out in the the banana, the surprise for Jimmy. Like that was like a double callback. That was a callback to fishes and to forks. So that was just beautiful. And we most definitely, once Richie starts going at it, we get a whole montage in the kitchen. Any dishes, any prep, anything in particular you'd like to talk about there? I know you got the uh, the, the T-bone joint. I know you were a fan of. I'm a huge fan of the fucking T-bone. Out of all of them, I think that was the that was the fucking best. You know, I mean, they should have called it the bare bone though. They definitely missed an opportunity there though. Should be the bare bone, and uh, and that that gives me a fucking reason to take it and twist it and make it my own and call it my own bare bone. But we'll see what happens with it, man. Um, aside from Marcus's desserts, I think that was a. Cause I don't think we actually saw the seven fishes presentation, you know, which I was kind of looking forward to seeing. Marcus's desserts would probably get my second to this T-bone joint. 
and that dessert in particular would be the uh, the Michael. Although I do like the wrapped up. I, I, I'm on the fence about the wrapped up. I think it's kind of weird that you get something delivered to you wrapped up in a thing, even the honey bun or the or the banana. But at, at the end of the day, it kind of almost makes sense because it gives it that, you know. I think that's just how honey buns are served. So I think that's what they were going for, really. And plus, yeah. that'd be a good, like, viral for people to put on Instagram or whatever because it says the bear on it. So right. they, that, that probably makes a little bit of sense because I think at that point, people might be likely to just take it home, which would almost be a good little you know, they should probably have their website on it or something like that. Full disclosure, if you're really going to do that, but it's not a bad marketing idea. Yeah, that's a good call, man. Right. Yeah, you already ate a whole bunch of food. It was a dessert. It's already in a bag. Yeah, you heard it. Jimmy. I don't even know that he ate the chocolate banana, but it was just the point of it that Richie remembered right. and, like, thought about it. And I'm not going to lie. A chocolate-covered banana almost looks as bad as this fucking weird alien-looking dick behind me. But it definitely looks like a dick on a stick, dude. And it's not really appetizing. Banana's pretty phallic, dude. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as is the, the bone from a T-bone. Uh, I, I did like the little pasta dish, how they twirled it up and everything. I thought that I honestly looked, think it's like, just the cool. angle on the, I think it's just the angle we got on this thing. Yeah, <laughs> the on that particular bone. Although just they were shot, probably, you know, bone, yeah. doing like that, the, the meat certainly looked good, though. I was, I, oh, yeah, that. it looks great. That would have um, been what I would have gotten off the, the menu. Yeah, I'll agree with you. The pasta, dude, pastas are great, man. I love doing pasta dishes. Yeah, do, doing cool little twirls and whatnot with pastas, man. I mean, there's so much shit you can do with any dish to make it look different ways and, and just the way you fucking put it out there. That's why this shit is so awesome, you know? I mean, it's an art. You can, there's no fucking boundaries, man, you know? Yeah, and just nice touches with Richie remembering things like uh, the substitutions, the the pop for uh, the soda for Sydney's dad. Yeah, would they, uh, they call it pop in Chicago? I guess that's a, I mean, in Wisconsin, I think they're pop, so maybe in Chicago, I don't know. You know what, man? Really well fucking played as far as bringing it back to the Forks episode and transition to Richie and how we actually like, okay, cool, that was me learning it, here's me doing it, you know? Yeah, I think he has a, the best arc of anybody this season for that, because he really had an arc, and you even see that a little bit, Nama, we didn't touch on it a ton, but you see all the books. And the idea is, like, Richie was not reading before. This means in, like, a couple of weeks, Richie has just been plowing through not only books, but, like, philosophy-type, like, hard book. He's not reading fucking James Patterson or John Grisham or something. You know, this ain't fucking right. Dan Brown. Like, Andy, these aren't Andy easy reads. Now. Yeah, and he wears suits now. Yeah, I think it's more armor, but... This is armor, dude. Wear suits. Maybe I should start wearing suits. Should I start wearing suits? You get mm -hmm. hot as shit. It's too hot for a fucking suit, right? Yeah. I mean, you could. I would go with the uh, the tuxedo t shirt and and uh, like tuxedo shorts or something like that. G That's more my classy. Jam, sure, yeah. tuxedo shirt will look classy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down. Well, I'll bust it out. All right, man. I think it's uh, about time to hand out our final grade for season two of The Bear. We grade each episode on a scale of zero to three stars. Michelin style, except we'll allow for a half ski here and there. Soup, how many stars are you giving to the bear? I, I, dude, there's no way I'm not giving this fucking episode three stars, man. It was awesome. I mean, I will give you this. I love the first, the first half of this episode was just fucking go. It was fire. It was, it was animal. The second, the back half of the episode was a little bit like it kind of fucking took it, took its fucking foot off the gas. But it gave it like some other shit because then it was all more of a fucking, you know, internal uh, shits for everybody else. But the action was in the first half, man. But it definitely fucking balanced out. I'm still giving it fucking three stars. It was fucking great. 
All right, man. I have to fucking give it three as well. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's a uh, yes. There was never a doubt. This is just right up there again uh, in the absolute top tier of this season. You know, I think this is one of the best episodes of television this year, one of the best seasons of a television show this year. And honestly, one of my favorite seasons of television I, I've seen in a minute, and especially a format that's not an hour long. You know, they really do it here. They got out to about 40 minutes on these last couple. But other than Fishes, they usually keep it under 40 minutes, you know, more like 28, 32 in that range. A little bit long for a comedy, but short for a drama. I think it's really their their sweet spot. Enjoyed every bit of it. And uh, man, Sue, this is going to be a tough one. We need to pick our episode MVP for the bear. Who are you going to give it to, man? There's a lot of ways you could go with this one, I think. Dude, a lot of ways you can go. It's hard not to give it to Richie because, uh, I mean, fuck, you know. But I think that's the obvious choice here. So I am going with Marcus on this one, man. Marcus played a good role, dude. He was there. He fucking came through. He ended up getting, you know, he had the fire guy. I wasn't sure if he had to or not. But he fucking, and, you know, and he went through a lot of fucking stress during that fucking dinner service, man. And he fucking just held it together. and did. He didn't flip out. Like, he didn't even change. He didn't skip a beat, dude. You know, Marcus, man. He's got my MVP. Oh, that's a good one. Part of me wants to give it to Josh as just the super wild card because he got the biggest laugh, but you, you already kind of stole that with Marcus. You're right. Richie's the obvious one, but I feel like I've gone to the Richie well enough. I, I think that's maybe something we'll get into more on our kind of season wrap up here. You know what? Give me Natalie, man. I want some sugar. She was really killing it all episode first. She was right about the forks all the way back in episode one. She was right about board. the forks. And then she's kind of navigating stuff with Pete. You know what that she does? What she needs to do is she spots a hot light. And then she goes and she just plunges the shit out of a toilet. That scene when Fat goes to open the door and you can barely see her in there just going to town on the toilet and she screams at him. Oh, dude, she was in there. She Damn was it, in dude. the shit. She was doing work, she man. Was she was in the shit. The, yeah, and then she comes in S-Carb and he gives her like a just you know whatever a kitchen outfit because that's what they had in the locker room i'm assuming they had a dryer because she eventually gets her clothes back at the end so but then she works in the kitchen right she's helping with doing dishes and shit like that and, and then goes back out there and kind of consoles pete without knowing that he saw donna and that's why he's all fucked up and everything right i, right. I thought she really just slayed it all the way around man she, she did she really came definitely up there for most improved character you know because yeah. she was kind of in the first season i I don't know if they knew they wanted to make her such a central part or whatever, but she's definitely making, and hell, the finish, she says that at one point to Pete, the finish, oh, I think I work here now. Yeah, yeah, she finally is fucking, uh... Yes, I work here now, yeah. Yeah, yeah finally nice... fucking admit again. Been yeah, working there all year, man, but yeah, you're finally getting it. Cool. Yes, she, good dude, good choice, man. She definitely is a fucking clutch character, and she's very important to that fucking business and shit, man. You know, now they've got their team assembled, dude. Their core is there, you know. So this is uh, this is exciting going into the future, man. Yeah, it's like one of those, uh, it's like the major league movies that they've kept doing in the right way. Like, you make the playoffs, but you lose in the first round. Then you win the first round, but you lose in the championship game. Then you make the champion, you know what I mean? Like the, the gradual progression. They're getting up there. All right, man, I think it's time for some coffee and dessert. This is pretty much everything we got left. Anything from Dub Bear we haven't discussed yet. I think up front we should point out two things. The first, I'll go short. 
all walk-in fridges have like an emergency release button. It's basically they have to. I'm pretty sure to have passed inspection, they would have had to confirm they have one of those. So it is what it is. That was done for dramatic license. So the show was pretty good about keeping yeah. things pretty realistic. That was not realistic. Although, you know, it's a nice touch of the guy at the end. It's like, oh, I've had to do this before. Sure. I guess you maybe know, in the uh, universe of the bear, it's the exact same as our universe, but they don't have emergency releases in the walk-ins. It's like in the multiverse, you know what I mean? That's the, like, you know how in a multi, it's only this one difference. In that universe, they just don't have emergency releases in the walk-in. Now, unless, and I didn't see one on here. I looked for it a couple times. Unless they had it, and that was the thing that was broken and it wouldn't let you out, you know? Um, which I don't see happening. I've never seen that. I mean, I've maybe they talked it. about it being a very expensive repair, so... But they also, like, could they have still really fixed that one day out? I mean, how good is the fridge guy? I mean, you only need, you probably only need the fucking door, dude. I'm sure it's not cheap, but you, I mean. Right. It's, I mean, there's hinges, right? Couldn't they have just taken the damn thing off the hinges? I mean, not during service, hinges, probably, but. You know, right. I'm not a, I'm not a fucking heating or heating in air or whatever the fuck. I'm not a, the, whatever that guy HVAC, is. HVAC, but yeah, it's all good. No, well, that guy's probably a straight fridge guy, but. No, that's um, different. Yeah, there's fridge guys. You do have fridge guys. You do have, and, and they. Fucking... That seems like a specialist kind of deal. So whatever, we just want to point it out because it, that's a thing, but we're not going to harp on it. And the other thing is, dude, the first 12 minutes basically of this episode, no cuts. It's just one take back and forth all around, spin you around. I saw online the first visible cut was supposed to be the shot of the printer. Kind of when Sid starts weirding out, which is, again, a shot that's probably an homage to review. I believe that was episode seven of season one where the you know the online order the ticket thing just keeps going right, going, yeah. going, going, going and I, dude when it's i watched thing. it that's the first cut i noticed so i am pretty goddamn sure and i loved how then the ticket printer just starts printing out fuck fuck and just variations of fuck yeah <laughs> right yeah dude the ticket printer is no joke i mean there's nobody that's ever worked in the kitchen that doesn't want to take that thing and they open the, the episode on it that's the sound you hear when the episode yeah. opens is the ticket printer just right. running like that's what they, they literally open the episode on that sound right yeah uh ticket printer is uh and then they, sid mean, hears it at the end like even when it's done she's looking at it and she's still hearing it in her fucking head i hear it in my head all the time i hear it in my dreams and i wake up and it's actually my alarm going off but i thought it was the ticket printer you know that kind of shit it happens man that thing is the fucking devil sometimes, man. And yes, everybody who's ever worked in the kitchen definitely wants to take that fucking thing at one point or another out into the parking lot and office space the shit out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to point out the idea that they did this in one take. I don't know how many times they had to do that, but it's amazing. That's just a flex, dude. How many times really they, they changed direction? I don't... I would just love to know how they pulled that off. And usually yeah, when they know, do a making up, what you see is a bunch of people running behind like crazy to move everything. I am just wildly curious how they pulled that off. I really watched it closely the last time I watched the episode and I could not, maybe they found a couple of ways to like cut and like digitally merge it or whatever. So you don't notice, but it looked pretty fucking clean to me, man. That was just gorgeous. I kind of want to see a making of on here and, and figure oh, out. Oh, I totally camera. do. Like this is why I miss DVD extras. Right. Yeah, like, I, how many cameras have they got here? What kind of, you know, like, what 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 angles are they doing to make this work like that without having... Oh, I love the yeah, Blu-ray used to have, like, multi-angle or stuff, like, director's cut. Like, I want all that for this. Like, if they do do a Blu-ray I mean, release, this isn't on, like, this, yeah, this certainly isn't, like, watching The Matrix or something, but they're doing some impressive shit. 
yeah, I'm very curious as to how they did some of this. It just, it's very cool. It does seem that for the most part, all the actors seem to know what they're doing, right? Like it plays, they're not doing too much thing. You know, sometimes when you get an army movie, you guys in the military, be like, you never hold a gun like that or this and that. For the most part, I think it's, it tracks mostly, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You don't, I don't think I've seen that. They seem to like, you know, they're holding a knife in a fairly correct way. They, they talk the right way. You know, it seems to, you know, at least for me, is kind of like a regular dude. It does seem to, you know, feel authentic, I guess. It's pretty authentic, dude. It's definitely legit. I mean, you know, it's a TV show and everything else, but there's so much that's like uh, relatable and, and, and on point as far as like, you know, dialogue and, and technique and whatnot, man. Yeah, it's there. I mean, this is a real deal. Like, the show is a real deal for that, dude. And I almost brought this up when we were talking about the cooking stuff, but at the very beginning, when, when Sid's kind of doing the expo thing, it seems like she's kind of mad at Richie for seating the tables too quick. But then Richie comes in, and it seems like that's the pace they should have been working at, probably, because they can. Like, why do you think Sid kind of struggled compared to Richie, especially because, theoretically, Sid had Carm and maybe even Josh for a little bit. So Richie was shorthanded. I mean, I guess he got Sid to move into the shit, but... Now, don't get me wrong. It sucks. Like when you when you're at a place and you open at five o'clock, you know dinner service starts at five. You open the doors at five, boom, your whole place fills up at once. That sucks. That's a lot at once, dude. So, um, you know, like they said in the, you know, and Richie should know this. It's probably why I was pissed. Or no, wait, what happened? No, just that Sid was a lot slower than Richie was, and she was mad that Richie yeah. was seating people too fast. Right, right. But but also Richie should kind of recognize that because, you know, uh, of his time spent in that restaurant at Fork, with Forks over there, man. You know, they were like, oh, you don't do this to the kitchen. You don't fuck the kitchen. You don't stay. Right, so you he know, should you know. slow it down then. And he should, like, slow it down go a little bit. You gotta and... keep the pace. You know, yes, we're open now, but are we gonna just fucking fill up the room and fucking just boom? Right, because it's all at once. Okay. That means everyone's ordering almost the same time, so it's... Exactly. So here's where you have to learn how to stagger. You can stagger tables, man, you know? So even though, yeah, okay, everything's open, everybody's here, you're all waiting to get in, you come in this time, you come in this time, this person gets this, this person... As long as you keep people interested and occupied the entire time, and you have a good flow, instead of all at once, you know? Like, yeah, this person has to wait a little bit, but they order something that takes 20 minutes this one orders something that takes you know five minutes and they both have appetizers you know so you know you find a way to fucking make it work to where you don't get all at once you can get rid of this and get rid of that you can make this work and you make that work it's like putting together a puzzle man or finding your way out of a maze or something you know yeah it's like part math part artistry kind of it feels like you have to understand the basic math of it but then there's just a way to like blend it all together in you could probably do it a new, you know, a couple of different ways, but to each his own a little bit. But everybody has to work together on that, you know. Right, so, and like... that's what seemed to be better with Richie. And to be fair to Sid, this was like the worst time for the shit between her and Marcus to kind of pop up. Because remember, she was trying to call on Marcus for shit, and then he was kind of like calling back, and they definitely seemed to like the personal shit spilled over a little bit. Yeah, and it was like definitely. the worst time for yeah, them, really. definitely, man. Yeah, and of course, it'd be in the middle of fucking dinner service on opening night, which, you know, I mean, in, in real world, maybe not, in, or maybe it just was there, you know, maybe. It was diffused pretty quickly. It's cool. It worked out well. Um, you know, in the long run, I think, I don't know, like I said earlier, man, I think it's friend zone on, on this one, but, you know, it was a it was a situation there. It might, it might take either, either direction later on. Yeah, and just the payoff of the them running out of forks was just beautiful. 
Yeah. After again, all that, because I mean, there's forks, all the different kinds of forks all season, but ultimately Karn being like, dude, this is enough forks. And at the very beginning, he didn't make a lot of decisions, it feels like, right? He deferred. This is one he actually made. And to his credit, he's like, yeah, I, I definitely fuck that. I mean, where do you actually go find that many forks at that time of night where they're located? I was kind of curious. Yeah. You got a man. lot of forks on short notice. Go to the closest store and buy forks. Well, I was thinking in my head, where the fuck would I go? The grocery store would have plastic forks, right? They would. I don't think right, they have yeah, metal. Be, and and I would think this place would need. Uh, you, you need know, like Bed Bath and Beyond or something minimum. I feel like a fucking Coles or something at the least. Yeah. Okay, but like what they're trying to do here, man. I feel like they need silver. I oh like yeah, I mean, but at that point, it's triage. You have to deal with that tomorrow. You need forks for tonight. Yeah. Okay. If that's. The I'm case, assuming you, that, but you heard them come down. They were metal forks. They were definitely not yeah. fucking, they were, you, you could just hear that when he pulled, and they weren't just bags too. They weren't like boxed up, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, he just dumped on bags of forks. I, I just like that little bit of it. And that kind of shit happens. You run out of something, oh, fuck, man, who can run to a store real quick and get something? I mean, it happens all the time, and you know, and you do it, and it's fun. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, kind of shout out all the kind of, you know, I don't want to call them visions or whatever, but Carm, like when he's out there and Sid's pissed, right, that he's going to bring Claire his food. Dude, he goes up to Claire, he's like, here's your food, have fun, and then just bounces, but then he sees right. kind of Joel McHale's, like the chef from season one in the corner there, and he just kind of just starts weirding from there, and then you yeah, see yeah. him kind of go through it all in the walk-in or whatever. I, I liked it. I mean, it was interesting to kind of, you know, sideline your main character basically in the finale, but I think it worked because it gave everyone else kind of room to shine, especially Richie, probably. You know, every other show would have just had Carm kill it, right? Yeah, and I think that's what anybody would expect. Uh, still, I'm a, I'm like, still, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? You can't get locked in the lock and kind of shit. It also comes back to, like, you know, the whole internal thing with Carm. Like, he kind of did this to himself, and he kind of realized that, and I think he even said that, you know. Um, yeah, when he's in there, he notices when he's looking at the, the various things, the tape isn't neat. Yeah, and that's where he start, like that just that bothers him, right? Yeah. And that's kind of his like he hasn't been paying attention. Like, when do they switch the mustard? Right. You know what I mean, that's like, oh, last week, you know, it just why is the thing not on the right side? And it just, I think at that point, it's not Claire, it's just he's mad at himself, really, right? Like that he feels he got distracted. But you get yeah, Claire's point because she's not a you know, she's better than a distraction. You know, that's not really fair. It just—it's not. It's not his fault. It's not her fault at all. But it's kind of like you know. I mean, it's his fault, dude. You know, and he knows that, and it sucks because it's like right. You can't help when you fall in love or whatever. That's the the bitch of it. Be, you know, and that's why he gave her a fake number at the beginning. He tried. You know, it kind of happened, and he even tells that to Sid when they're doing the table in omelet. Like I like her so much, you know, it terrifies me. Right. And I, I thought that was a good payoff here. I feel really bad that kind of some fans of the show are really mad at Claire. I thought she was about as supportive of Karm as humanly possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not, For someone I'm, who has, you know, crazy schedule and everything like that, and get, like, it seemed like she was just cool with whatever he had to do. He just wanted to spend time with her. Yeah, again, not her fault, man. I don't know how uh, much I, you know, I don't know how much I love her going into the kitchen and standing in next to the wide. That was definitely written for the show because that never would probably fucking happen in real life. You know, you don't. No, that was definitely you can tell where they wanted to go, and especially when you get the split screen with Richie after that, it's really cool and it's a great dramatic device. Yeah. So you yeah. get why oh, yeah. they would, from a really writing well. standpoint, I totally get it's it's awesome. 
You get to, I mean, could anything be more torturous for Carm? It's opening night of his restaurant, and he's stuck in the walk-in in the kitchen. He's right there, and he can't do anything. Yeah, he's and he knows it. Completely powerless. All he can do is guy. pound on the door and yell. And he. And was it Tony or Terry the whole time? I gotta know. <laughs> it was Terry. Or dude, that's the one thing that at that point I'm just surprised. Like Tina seemed to be like on top of shit. I'm just surprised she just didn't call like her sugar. I'm just surprised someone just didn't call the dude. Yeah. Just like, why did you believe Carm at that point? If he'd been flanking that much, someone would have just been like, yeah, we need to fix this. Or Marcus, it feels like someone would have just been like, give me this dude's number. I've had enough of this shit. Yeah. You know, after kind of just being able to, after pulling it one more time and having to break or what, just, all right, enough. Well, see, here's my thing, dude. This has happened before with the handle breaking off. How'd they get in there? Did it take that long? Uh, it seemed like it was going to take about 10 minutes or so, but I don't know how they might need a new door after that. Yeah, but if it had happened before, like we've seen it happen before in previous episodes. Oh, like happened. they, yeah, it didn't come all the way off, I think. I think it was loose before. Mm. So they'd pull it and it would kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't work right. You had to put it back on kind of thing. Right. You know, when something is breaking, but it's not all the way broken. And that time you just, and see, that's the other thing. Like, I guess he was inside the, you have to just kind of wave that one away a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm you know what I mean? Because why would he have pulled the door completely shut behind him? Which would have had to happen. So he would have had to, had to been in there with it completely shut when someone grabs it and then yanks it off. And then there's no emergency release. So they took dramatic license on that one. It is what it is. It worked really well. And it surprised me, even though they set it up, right? There's so many breadcrumbs about that. How many times have they mentioned it? You see it on the calendar. So when it happens, right. I wasn't surprised. But it was just like, I was almost like, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't see this coming because they definitely telegraphed it like crazy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So man. they paid it off in that way. It might not be realistic, but they kept hinting to it could happen. So when it happens, you can't be super surprised. Yeah, it makes sense for the show from a writing aspect and from an entertainment aspect. And yeah, like it that. lets them just get in there and weird out and hear shit and do the kind of little flashbacks and you get to see right, everybody yeah. a little bit and from a writing you know directing standpoint it, it's perfect i mean you can like have your cake and eat it too basically and uh how about donna we haven't talked about her jamie lee curtis shows back up again gets the one seed outside with pete that just broke my fucking heart dude this episode broke my heart at least twice that one and then when carm listens to claire's message just yeah. fucking sad dude like they jerkers man I mean, did you, I didn't even know quite how to read Donna. Like, it, it seemed like she genuinely wanted her kids to succeed. And shout out Pete, dude. He really, you know, just, he's definitely another dude who came up a lot since the first season. Another character who's definitely progressed a lot, I'd say. Yeah, he's got that real, like, weird fucking, He's like, just honest. He, there's, he's yeah. surface level. He's not a deep character, but there, there's nothing wrong with that. He just, he's just a genuine, like, nice, regular dude. We like them guys. Reminds me of BJ from uh, Righteous Gemstones. Like, it, it's there, he's not like playing an angle or whatever. He's just kind of like a fairly simplistic. Doesn't mean he's dumb or anything. Just a like a sweet dude, I guess you'd call him. Like a, like a sweetheart or something like that. Just a nice guy. Yeah, Mister Fucking Nice Guy, dude. No, he is. No, you're right, man. He's he's a likable character, man. He's a likable character. Right, the dude who felt like he had to bring a dish, even though they told him not to. But he just still felt obligated to bring something. You know what I mean? Like still important. Like for some reason, he's got like a deeper meaning to the show, and, and he's connected to these characters on levels. Like you know, what I mean, 
that are that are important. So I think he's he's a he's a clutch character, man. He's he's good and and yeah, he's a, he's a I don't know. I don't know how you you're probably spot on on describing him like whatever the fuck. Damn it, whatever. Yes. Yeah, just oh, a nice stuff. I mean, he's just he's not like super complex or anything. He's just a Mr. nice Funky guy. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. They're kind of like the you know, for the yin and the yang, right? If there's got to be like just complete assholes, somewhere they have to be just generally just nice people. Yeah, that's how yeah. it works. And you know, just I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis obviously just killed it. It just just made my heart break because at least I thought she really wanted to go in there and just like thought if she went in there, she'd ruin it somehow. Right. That's the impression yeah, I, mean, I, I got. Powerful, pretty powerful scene, man. And I think it was. Um... I think it was a good move to have like you know somebody who is still kind of like you know in the family but not like you know one of the right the, Pete, like the son-in-law basically you know yeah to to be the one to have to you know go we almost said to be peter ritchie probably looking back on if at fishes you could have seen ritchie doing it but he had too much to do right yeah maybe richie but maybe richie might have i don't know I, well because they I, had a little bit of you know what i mean he thought of her as his mom and everything like that so right. and you heard yes, him talk yeah. about that so i think that could have kind of paid off a little bit but i'm perfectly that fine with worked. the way it worked Definitely out worked. but yeah i think it, i think it was well played uh with that because you know it was set up with the whole every time uh, you know natalie would come back to the table and shit you know i mean she'd bring it up and they were sitting there with the empty empty spot next to him and shit you know and um what was it 75 fucking whatever the odds or whatever the fuck you know yeah 75 um, 25 yeah I mean, it was talked about a lot and i think it made sense that he was the one that it was like oh shit there she is and spotted her and and i think she i think that was probably set up in a way to where not only was it probably the best fucking uh angle to play or character to put out there but also it brings in the whole fact of the oh shit i spilled the beans about the pregnancy shit you know yeah, because I think that's the the thing that kind of does it too. That maybe he would have sl- you know swayed her possibly, but she hears that and she's like, "Oh, like that's just too. This is just going to be too uh-huh. much now. Like, there's no way now. Not only you have the restaurant thing, now there's this whole other thing." Uh, I but think I she was do just, think we're going to see her again, man. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a hundred percent. Yes. Uh, just shout out the facts when they're talking to Claire and they're just using all these euphemisms instead of telling her that uh, Karma's locked in the walk-in. They're doing like Star Wars shit, like Jabba got his ass, Han Solo getting frozen, Lil Pimp is cooked. That was, I mean, it was stupid, but it was kind of funny. I honestly thought for some reason Claire was just going to march back there and open it somehow because she's, you know, a a medic or whatever. I thought she was like going to get an axe or something and just open that shit. I don't know why. I just thought that was going to happen. Yeah, I like to think it might have worked out like uh, more like, no, you can't go back there, you know, busy, fuck off. You know, it's opening night. Like, why are you prying anyway, man? <laughs> like, you know what I'm doing, man. But it's cool. <laughs> yeah, and we basically touch on it, but shout out Marcus. Just getting to have fun firing Josh or whatever. And then he gets a sign from Luca when he opens it and puts it up, and he's so happy. And then they just cut to the, you know, the missed calls and the text from his mom's nurse on his phone. It's like, damn it, show, you're not going to give us one? We can't. You can't give us this one show? You see at one point how he drops the phone too. He's carrying the tray out, yeah. and the, the so he misses pizza. it. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be good news there, man. Uh, I think going no. into the season did start with uh, the situation or a scene yeah, with, with him his and mom, yeah. mother. So I think that uh, 
going into going into the future here that that might not be it might impact there might be a situation that makes him uh you know it's going to impact him a little bit there's something there there's... most definitely is i guess maybe it wasn't totally honest there. i think uh, gary in fact dude like they might get a decent ending they go outside they're on the bench like just having a beer eating some food just looking at the restaurant did they kick them out? Did they have to go out there? I got the idea they just wanted to like go out there and look at the restaurant, but we did hear that it was cold as shit out there. But they were just chilling, just having a beer and eating some food, looking at the restaurant. And we do get a shot of the front of the restaurant finally, like a full wide shot of it. So Stella and Stella definitely paid some dough because they're drinking Stella and there's a Stella billboard. So true. Also, makes me wanna um, maybe maybe if we get a season three premiere, I'll drink some Stella for it, man. Yeah, definitely down with that. And I love those guys. I like the Gary and Fact team up there. I love how they're kind of the captains in the front there and everything like that. I do like that. Yeah, that's cool, man. And anything I'm kind of Sid, like after it's all successful, she still goes out back and pukes. And I did love that her dad, uh, child Robert Townsend, like the meteor man and everything, kind of a, a 90s dude was in a bunch of shit. Uh, just a great role for him here. And he was always so nervous. And now she's puking and he's like, baby, it's a thing. Like he now he's convinced. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like she's less sure. Now he's more sure. Yeah, I think that's perspective, man. She just went through the shit. He just experienced the dining aspect of it, man. I mean, and that's what you want. And I think the reason she's out there puking, she's the nerves and whatnot. Oh, man. yeah. So, I mean, he just went through. He called crazy. out multiple times that that's what was going to happen. So, yeah, you get the idea. It's probably uh, not her first time. Right, right. I mean, imagine, uh, you know, fuck, I don't know, man. I'm I mean, not like Seinfeld, but dude, I don't puke. I think I've I can think of like one time in the last fifteen years or so maybe I puked. I'm not a puker on purpose, that's for sure. I'm certainly not a even accidental. I just don't. The only time I ever puke is if I fucking you know, mix alcohols and because I'm out and being stupid or feel like shit. Like, yeah, I don't puke very often. No, it does not. I'm not a puker, man. It takes a lot to get me to puke, too. but if I do, I fucking hate it. I hate puking. It's awful. Yeah, I'll do almost anything. It would just make you feel better. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. <laughs> it just, again, just masterful. The use of the REM. You get the scene with Sid and her dad, and then you go back into the walk-in, and Karen listens to the voicemail and just breaks his fucking heart. And then you just get the slow zoom out back through the back of the walk-in as the sparks start to fly as the dude cuts the door open. And you cut to Sid and you know, Michael Stipes just singing about this might be the saddest thing you've ever seen or whatever, and boom. Yeah, I mean, dude, Pretty really good well shit. designed, man. Really well designed, and I like the idea. It was put together really well, you know I mean? The whole inside the fucking walk-in thing, you know, from his, from Carm's fucking... For a show that's listed in the comedy, this is a very good-looking show. Yeah. <laughs> he's, talking to, he's talking to Tina, and he's getting deep with her, man, because you know what he can and shit and he's and but then she goes away and he doesn't i don't think he knows that so he just still starts talking and keeps talking but man you know thinking out loud like should i be doing that? you know i really think that this again a call back to the first episode of the season remember when he went to the na group and talked about like trying to like get amusement or enjoyment here he gives a whole speech about not you know needing to provide or have amusement or enjoyment it's just it's fucking not worth it man because no amount of good is worth how terrible he feels at that moment. It's just a complete waste of fucking time. And that's what Claire hears. 
Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's when, you know, Richie comes up and when he starts fucking, he's like, and Carm's like, I don't know how much she heard, you know, but like, I don't think he, like, he, like it Carm, didn't hit for him really, until he listened to the voicemail. Yeah. Dad, when he listened to the voicemail, then it really, but that's what hit. made it, dude. That's what, bro, that's what's brilliant about the writing. Right. Yeah. You know, made it. Cause right you know, well that, call, that was the call he missed when he had fridge guy on the phone and shit, you know, and, Right when he's about to call oh, him, right about to press man. the button, right. it just he's about to fucking call fridge guy, but he didn't. Now he's stuck in the fucking fridge, and then this happens, and she heard him venting about you know whatever the fuck in life, and obviously she took it personally because it at that point it had to do with her kind of. I get it; it sucks. I think it's something they can probably fucking talk out, uh, you know, if they're the, as close as they seem to be. But we'll see where they, where they go with it. But yeah, and then. Uh, you know, I mean, just the fucking coincidences and the shit has just, it's just so well fucking written and put together, dude, you know, and, and of course, then uh, he fucking listens to the message that she had left earlier, and fuck, man, I don't care who you are, man, if you just did that and are in that position, you've been locked in this motherfucker through fucking what you just been through, dinner service, your opening night, and you're stuck in a walk-in, and that's going to cap it all off, dude, that might fuck with your head a little bit. Oh, dude, Carmen's got to be, I mean... God, that's just what a place to be in, right? I, in the fact that it worked without him, what does that even mean? Like his whole thing is like, you know, this is what I have to do. I have to be a fucking maniac for this to work. But then he was trapped in the walk-in and it still worked. You know, I think he's definitely going to wind up maybe questioning kind of his worldview, right? Like, can he balance this? Does he need to, like, what? I'm very interested to see how they will kind of address this in the future, surprises me a touch that they haven't picked it back up yet but my guess is that they're doing a thing where they're going to negotiate like they're going to pick it up for like three seasons or something i'm almost positive this is probably a contract thing and they're going to creators are going to try to figure out how long they want it to go and then make a big deal and then just kind of lock it in so yeah i don't i don't doubt it at all. it's still an fx production this is what they did with what we do in the shadows they picked it up for four five and six all at the same time so it would not surprise me at all if we saw a two or three season pickup coming in the near future here. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would hate to see him like switch networks or something, you know, like all of a sudden like. If they went to HBO, I wouldn't cry, but that's it. If HBO picked it up, I'd be fine with it. But actually, who else even would like or could at this point? You know, I mean, maybe Netflix. Showtime might throw some money at it. Yeah. I'd rather see I'd rather see HBO get it than that. I mean I could see Netflix getting it, but why though? Why not just have Hulu keep it, dude? Or well, who is it that has it right now? Hulu, right? Hulu FX, yeah, it's because of their yeah, partnership. But... So which is technically Disney. <laughs> we'll see if uh, the bear ends up on Disney Plus at some point. It might. Boy, I think that's about it, man. Anything else from the bear from the the finale? That really is a phallic motherfucker, dude. Man, it, like... it, it is phallic AF, I would say. Uh, that must have been the intention when they played it that way, I'm assuming. You know what you were doing when you played it that. Don't fucking lie. All I right, mean, man. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm in favor of kind of doing like a season two wrap up here, maybe like season MVP, some of that kind of thing. Like, uh, you down for that? Um, Yeah, sure. Maybe a little, you know, little season three speculation, that kind of thing. Figure it out. You know, I'm almost upset, or I'm a little bummed out that I gotta wait until fucking who knows when to see more of this. Next you know, June, but... I'm assuming. I'm assuming they're gonna keep it pretty much to schedule, so we've gotten two June releases. I would assume it's going to be pretty close to that. Yeah, I don't I don't see this being a show that's gonna, like, you know, take more than, uh, you know, a season 
normal season or years to come back to it. I don't think it's like a Game of Thrones or a Boys where it's like, oh man, they don't need a year of post production to do the CGI. It's going to take us two years for a new fucking season or whatever the fuck, you know. So, um, yeah, hopefully this one should be, you know, on time next year. And I like a show like that, man. So this is, yeah, and hopefully, you know, they built all these new sets and everything, right? Season two had to be a lot more expensive because they had to basically strike all the season one sets, build new shit. If they can use that going forward, even if the actors get a little more expensive, it should make the show a little bit cheaper to produce in season three and four. Yeah, and I think with the I think with the uh the amount of fucking uh attention the show has gotten, dude, there's yeah, no so it's like Hulu's biggest show ever, dude. This is it's like way outdrawing Oh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia for what that's worth. You know what I mean? Really? Holy fuck! I'm I'm pretty sure. I don't even really know how much I like that because now everybody's going to go to every restaurant and think it's like this. You know, that's what (laughs) that's what makes it the bear, dude. (laughs) You know, there'll there'll be a lot of the bears, but not a lot of dub bears. And there is only one, the Bear Brigade. Thank you for checking us out. We are presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Again, find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're on the social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Do not forget to clean your plate. Do not forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show. If you like what you saw, like what you've heard, if you had fun, please give us that thumb. We will be back next time to kind of do a little bit of a wrap-up of Season 2. Take a look back forward at Season 3. That's it. I'm Magna Mills. He's the soup deucer. And remember, you either fork or you get forked. Yes, and uh, if you fork or stab or anything, don't do it in the fucking your hand, man. Do it in um, something else. Yeah, don't stab hold the other person. Yeah, don't hold something you're stabbing ever, man. Be like Richie. Go from getting stabbed to forking other people.